Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Well, just just ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, just Steve. I need. Welcome to What Are You Doing Movie. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blu-ray of The Aviator. Press play and press pause. When the Miramax logo fades to black, at the first time you perceive of all black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. Which one? I'll press play. You will press play. We'll watch the movie in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary. Four friends in your head. Myself, as always, T. Christine, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Wave of the future. Paul, Paul Lu Santagata. Wave of the future. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. That's so clean to you. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. So this is a good movie. Um, it's, it's huge. And easily parodied. It's huge. Oh. Um, it's, Man, serious it's, mental illness for our. Yeah, it's a very, very long hours movie. For our entertainment. We are, uh, we are, we're, we're settled in. We're going to kind of pace ourselves because Scorsese don't do small. Scorsese do big. That's how Scorsese do. Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I really like this movie. It's up there with my favorite of his movies. And it doesn't seem like it's actually a very popular movie for people who are really into Scorsese. It feels like a deviation for the people who who talk about his filmography and care about it and have favorites. I, this is always something that I found just a very accessible and watchable movie. Um, and it's fun to watch Leo DiCaprio be Howard Hughes. So you combine that with my natural enjoyment of Planes and Old Hollywood, and it's just the most watchable movie that's ever happened. Um, but you always forget that it's two hours and 50 minutes long. Again, it's two hours and 50 minutes long. Two hours and 50 minutes two long. Hours and 50 minutes two hours and 50 minutes. Long. It's just two, two hours. And we're going to be doing this bit for two hours yeah, and 50 so. minutes. Fortunately, this movie has a, an OCD stuttery repeaty bit in it. So most of the things we say, we can just use those to spread it all out. Uh, but I like this movie an awful lot. Uh, I, I love the color grading. We have a lot of stuff to talk about in this one, so it'll be yeah. good. But this, movie, this movie was like, so you want some color grading? Here is some color grading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a plate, dog. So we're going to keep the intros kind of short. But I, I like this movie. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, it is recommended. Brian? Uh, yes, I love this movie, as I've said before. I um, This movie plays at the juncture of two worlds I love, or, you know, aviation and old Hollywood. And uh, yeah. Howard Hughes, I've just, I'm fascinated by Howard Hughes as a character. I wish I... Could have had the chance to be Howard Hughes, slightly less crazy, <laughs> okay. but I would have good, good hope, tip. Hopefully, thanks. A, hopefully, a lot less racist <laughs> and no, less, yeah. well, and, yeah. and like, not quite so insane. Not yeah, slightly less insane. But I mean, uh, there's there's I I'm very drawn to the character of Howard Hughes uh, or some aspects. Quite, of, quite let's something. say, yeah. Uh, so yeah. there are the Orson Welles people and the Howard Hughes people. Yeah. You know, it goes either it's way. A fine line. So uh, so yeah. So I'm big Howard Hughes fan, and I like this movie a lot. Palu, uh, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah. Howard Hughes is a fascinating and impossible person. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, film, this film is great. I saw it for the first time a couple of years ago without much of any knowledge or interest in Howard Hughes' character, knowing like how responsible he was for a lot of crazy stuff. Um, Including and, the existence of Las Vegas? Yeah. No, not existence. Well, like he, the continued between him, between him and Bugsy Siegel. Yeah. He, he bought in, he started buying into Las Vegas like right after the point where this film ends. Um, but we'll get into that. And then recently, and in... Sort of in preparation and sort of coincidentally started getting more into him and the stories surrounding him. There's a podcast that they, they were going into it on. Uh, it? Yes. Uh, Karina Longworth's You Must Remember This, which is an awesome, very well-researched, really well-produced uh, podcast series about all sorts of old Hollywood stuff. And they have a series on the many loves of Howard Hughes. Um, and there were many of them. There were a great many. Uh, and those are really great if you want to go watch those. Uh, go see all or listen to all of them because they're all just, fantastic. Just goes to show you can be crazy as a shit house rat if you're rich. You yeah, can get he's airplane yes. Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the film airplane is airplane movie Batman. The film is great, but I like have weird dissonance with like the kind of ways that they like the the story that they don't tell. I think is also very important. 
yeah, in the parts of his character that they don't get into, which is fine because there's it's impossible to fit all this into this, and it should be like a two season HBO miniseries just of nothing but crazy high review stuff. Right. Um, but nothing saying we can't do that. But yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm really into this film. I'm really into a lot of the questions and stuff that it starts raising and the history of it. It's great. Dre, are you generally a Scorsese person? I'm generally not a Scorsese person, and I still, I probably have seen fewer than half of his movies, probably, looking at his entire body of work. Um, it's not that I avoid him uh, or anything like that, but... Um, it's Marty. I, it's Marty, you know. If, if Marty's in town, we hang. That's, But, uh, you know, it's, I don't make a point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like this one. As well, it's one of my favorite ones of his, too. I only recently caught up with Casino, which I also liked. Yeah. Um, and I, I did enjoy Wolf of Wall Street a lot. So I, I like I like uh, sort of the current Scorsese mm-hmm. um, phase. Certainly, he's uh, he's on a high spot with me. Um, and I really like this movie too. And and uh, as with Brian, it's like yes, old Hollywood and aviation and and biopics and then you know it's like it's like put this in a double feature with the Rocketeer and I just like you know <laughs> lay on a bed and roll around on both of them <laughs> um, and and you know but uh, lay around and uh, roll around on them and uh, want to roll, roll around on them and and, and uh, roll around on so them. you're at the point where the Miramax logo is faded to black like we are them. here go ahead and put your finger on the button in three two a three two a three sorry th- okay seriously three two one roll, roll around on them. three sorry okay sorry now now we're right. this, this is moratorium on that bit for the rest of this <laughs> no, for two and a half hours we can't right. possibly do it real countdown three Two, one, unpause. It was like you have no idea how compelled I was to about to be <laughs> just do it again. <laughs> All right, so of course. I, I I don't know if it's if it makes any sense to wait, like to hold off on the conversation about this this two strip look that they, they do because it's no it's, fucking it's glorious. Right and oh, I love this 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 like I guess it would, oh you call it is that a badge that. for the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, I completely it forgot about nailed it. the nailed the whole con- the whole vibe of of what it's doing. It's, it's an achievement. Fantastic. Oh man, I always forgot about this. Yeah, the, the my mom made me crazy. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, the, the, there, there was like four things that sort of happened to him. There's his mom was crazy in the first place. His mom made him crazy. He got syphilis when he was a kid, and then he kept bashing his head into shit. And he started out OCD. Like, yeah. you know, OCD. He started, he started OCD. He was a difficult birth. He almost, she almost died giving birth to him and could never have any more kids, which is why she's so crazy protective. And, and it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a perfect storm. Yeah. Right the up front, only, like, obsessive compulsive disorder isn't yeah. something that you can catch from your mom. Or, like, it's not something but, you can catch damn from this your, lady sure tried. It's not something you can catch from a mom that wants to make sure you're not sick. Oh, yeah, no. He was already predisposed to a bunch of stuff. It's, and then he got syphilis and then no, he got he, he, yeah. things. He had the OCD, which... Generally, a a common system symptom of OCD is germophobia, but right. then he it's also had an extraordinarily germophobic mom to begin with. Yeah, yeah. and he would, would do weird stuff like examine his genitals daily to make sure he. Wait, that's weird. Sick. Well, you got to make sure that mom? they're there. <laughs> I got to call my mom. And his and his uh and his feces. She'd also examine his feces. There's all sorts of weird stuff. Humans are so weird, man. Like I'm not, I don't say that judgmentally. I'm like, like the the standard deviation for what human behavior can be <laughs> is fucking huge and still be a person who can have a child and, yeah. and do and what you pay want your taxes and shit yeah hey, i'm gonna go see a movie i also examine my son's poop sometimes <laughs> yeah. like yeah the, yeah just, and just, i'm just, not in jail or in any kind of institution of any kind the, the impossible spectrum of humanity the uh yeah the, all the various pits of insanity that the human brain can fall into over the course of his life just like i'm gonna choose to care really you know mm-hmm. yep really crazily about this thing that really doesn't make any sense but in my head i've constructed a story that makes this the most important thing in the world for me 
And it's like, well, none of that actually connects that way, but go ahead and yeah, devote your life to that. And you can still uh, also work for the government. It's great. I was really, I was really worried when first I remember seeing this movie and uh, re-seeing it because I hadn't seen it in a while. I was kind of worried the scene with the the mom. I was like, oh wait, how long is this Oliver Twist bullshit goes on? And right. then I was very gratified by the oh great planes right. he's grown up. <laughs> it's it's Leo already. Oh thank you. Okay good. And what's funny is like from this moment on, like if this movie starts playing, I can't turn it off yeah. just because it it grabs you so hard. And I always remember that when you play the Aviator, the first thing that happens is you want to watch the rest of the movie right now. But I never remember that when you actually play the aviator. The first thing that happens is you watch you, the little boy. You don't want to watch the rest of the movie. Spell quarantine naked in a tub. Yeah. Like there's four or five movies in that genre. I don't like any of them. This one's the one that <laughs> it really stands ahead and shoulders. So then I think. it cuts directly to the point where his father's dead. He's married. Yeah. They don't mention his first wife at all in this movie. He's yeah. married right now. Well, he's, he's already assumes he, his father has his died uh, and he's yeah, kind he's of done his, taken over the company. His mom's died. And, his mom's about to die. Right. In, in his own personal timeline, his mom died like a year or two after his dad. Like yeah. they died in close okay. proximity to each other. And so then since know, he's just meeting Noah Dietrich, he just took his took. No, but he really is. He's, he's like plain Batman. He's he's the, just rich kid, and he's not. And I say that specifically because he's not a plain guy. He's a drill bit kid who's super fucking into planes. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. As opposed oh, to being yeah, yeah. Batman, this is where he's wasting his his inheritance, which is oil drilling. He's not even a drill bit kid. He went to boarding school and. Yeah, California. in terms of, in well, terms I mean, of like, his family airplanes. business, but, yeah, and where but the he's not—he's not like an old chip off the old plane block in that family, yeah. right? Right. He's—he's he's a trust fund kid running off to Hollywood to yeah. play with planes. So it's very stars. weird that movies got him into aviation. Yeah, which is you know a, no no one else has ever done that um, that it I'm had, aware of. It hadn't occurred to me that Leo has played a lot of real people. He's played Jordan Belfort, and he's played Howard Hughes, and he's played uh, fucking who uh, fucking Jay Edgar, uh, yeah. and he played there's a fourth one. Um, catch me if you can uh, he played <laughs> Abagnale like he keeps playing yeah. real people in movies it is interesting and then you know Shutter Island uh, right yep Titanic I, I, that is my favorite weird goddamn old school Scorsese affectation where they just <laughs> overlay instead of it just being yeah. like, a, like a locator it's just like the logo of the club <laughs> it's the sign out front yeah. just as a fun title. fact that's Rufus Wainwright and this is yeah, uh, the, that's, yeah this that, is a two scale uh, coconut grove like this the only thing different about this coconut grove as yeah, opposed to the we're on it's that it's like off by like two feet it's just a real, so they room. it's a real thing yeah it's not just Rufus Wainwright it's Loudon Wainwright and his uh, sister uh, who is also a singer um, for me it's like I know it's you know it's an age thing. For me, it's like oh, Loudon Wainwright had kids. Okay, that's yeah. nice, and they sing sometimes. Oh, nice for them, good. But uh, for me, it's like is that Loudon Wainwright? Holy shit! Uh, who will show up in a moment? But J- yeah, the, Jerry Stiller's got a talented kid too. Oh, uh, that's I hear that. Yeah. Him, him, I know. Look at that beautiful. Uh, look at this. this is I mean, gorgeous. This is a weird thing about this movie. Um, is that it? You know. You just, it's like we don't even think that movies still build sets, but sometimes movies build incredible sets still to this day, and God bless movies for doing it, this being one of them. Scorsese does it a lot. <laughs> Scorsese actually does more than more than most, I guess. Um, but um, the most amazing one is later on we're going to be going to uh, the Chinese theater, which is not the Chinese theater. It's a, damn, it's a parking it's lot a, in Toronto. It's a damn set of the Chinese <laughs> theater. Uh, they built the Chinese theater. It's weird, because um, I was watching newsreel footage to sort of I wanted to wrap my head around who Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes was, not that, Leo DiCaprio. That, that's Howard a lifetime Hughes. job right there. He's amazing. And um, there's footage in the old newsreel footage that I was able to pull up on YouTube. There's some, first of all, there's some really amazing shit because Howard's crazy. But there's like shots of the Hell's Angels premiere at the Chinese theater, and it looks familiar. Like my my instinct was, yeah. holy shit, now this is a perfect. That's great, in the real news. They recreated a lot in right. this movie. It really was like this in a lot of ways, and a lot of things you see are the real thing. At the uh, the Hell's Angels premiere, he had a um. He had a stunt dogfight happen 
over Grauman's Theater. Really? At the premiere. As, at the like premiere, a, as yeah, the promotional thing. As yeah. a promotional oh, yeah. thing. Oh. Well, that's, how, that's how Howard Hughes do. That's it, like you said. You, you can't do shit like that anymore. But wow, wasn't it awesome? I mean, yeah, there was every so often there'd be a flu epidemic that would kill a quarter of the world, but come on. I right. mean, back in the day when you could be a guy and go, I'm going to have a dogfight over Hollywood Boulevard Trey, over the man's tank. If Jim Cameron could, Jim yeah. Cameron would. Like, he would. Like, seriously. Seems like this do a really and good job. Howard of- Hughes would film his own plane stunts. That was how he got in his first or second he, plane crash. Yeah, yeah. He, did that, he did the Cameron thing where like, oh, you can't fucking do it, camera guy? Fine, yeah. I'll yeah, do it. They completely skipped that. His first, yeah. his first plane crash was... In that last scene, like we, people told we had him, to cut away right. before his real first. Yeah, yeah. He was gonna. Fl- yeah. He he wanted a certain stunt. They were like, "Dude, not only will we not do that, the plane won't do that." He's like, "Fuck you!" He gets in the yeah. plane, tries, <laughs> and guess what? And fails. The plane, the plane does, did not the plane do, that. do that. <laughs> they weren't kidding. It does. He didn't know he was. He's a drill bit kid. So exactly. the plane, okay. So then they find they get to the plane. The plane is on fire and covered in blood. And Howard Hughes is not in the plane. <laughs> They're like, "Where the fuck? We've lost him. He's gone." And then they like he's. He's in the, um, they find him in the hangar, still covered in blood, like, talking to himself about golf stuff. <laughs> and oh, so they, they get him crazy. to the hospital, like, they're like, he, he's probably going to die. And the next morning, he's like, nah, I'm good. And he walks out. Right. Is that Adam Scott? It is Adam yes, Scott. Is Adam yeah. Scott. What the fuck? Yeah, it's the, it's, it's Adam it's, Scott being great. If, Holy shit. If that name doesn't mean anything to you, and you've seen him and stuff, but can't place it, it's probably Parks and Rec. He's Amy Poehler's boyfriend slash husband. Mm. He is that also, guy. He's also he? the helmsman of the Defiant in Star Trek First Contact. Are you shitting me? Is he really, really is. That, that was, that was all holy far. shit. Isn't he also yeah. in Interstellar, which I saw the other day? No, that, was some, no. that was another guy no. from a TV no, show. Another guy that looks exactly like that him. Was that, other guy. that was Matt Damon. Uh, this is the guy from uh, Friends with Kids. Party he's down. he's yeah. also in Party yes, Down. He's also in Scott Pilgrim, I think. He played no. the veg- like vegetarian guy in Scott Pilgrim, didn't he? False. No. no oh, was no, that was Superman. Superman. That was Superman, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but no, he's got a, and and, he's got uh, a great... Party, like, party uh, Down or no? Yes, Party Down. Party Down, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I've seen um, in the most recent. He's got a great, great yeah, voice. He's perfect for this. Squeeze Jakes. He nails it. Yeah. No, but I... Is, is this Margaret supposed to be... No. Uh, whoever... Not Margaret. Her name is Margaret. Who, whoever this character is supposed to be. Is she a real person or not? It's because George she's Lucas. doing this awesome. I, I don't think she's. She's CG. doing this like awesome half K Francis, half yeah. Fade Barra thing. I'm not, I forget. I remember. I used. I knew that. I mean, later we've got. Is it? Isn't it Gwen Stefani who shows up? As, yeah, as she is. She's Jean Harlow. Jean Harlow. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then the, the the young girl that he gets involved with. She's real. Uh, um, Faith Demur. Yeah. Yeah. Faith Dem- Faith Demur, which I always think of as the Silent Earth. That's the only thing I know her from. Um, but so all that. So this. Yeah. It seems like this. Should have been somebody, or would have, you know, yeah, like, dyed her hair blonde and become, right. you know, no, like, but, like uh, just like the way she is now, she looks exactly like a cross between Theta Barra and Kay Francis and does. Velma Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think they're just. I think the point they're making here is he had game. He had yes. game. He, <laughs> he was cra- kind of crazy game, crazy, crazy, crazy rich man crazy game. game, intimidating, kind of scary. Yes, yes. but game. super rich right. man game. He, yeah. Like, yeah, it's I not mean, like nobody ever got laid by being crazy. Yeah. That's sometimes, a good sentence. I should put that on a shirt. Yeah. Nobody ever got. Nobody ever got. read that crazy. and kind of try and parse as, it. And kind of go as an intro. To um, the, as an intro to the color thing, uh, Teague. Previously, you've said when you're on a Michael Bay set, everything already looks like a Michael Bay movie. That's right. Like everybody's shirts are already teal. Everybody's, everybody's teal. And well, more like the, well, yeah. I mean, by an everything's already lighting, teal and orange. But, but so the way that they built this coconut grove, everything that everybody's wearing and all of the stuff has already been screen tested. Like those chairs are all red. Yeah. Every like all yeah. of the scarab. Stuff they, that she's wearing is. They know they're. All I mean, it's, this turquoise. this isn't that. This has been color processed. Science, they were just. Pre- no, no, they were just also. Pre- they were just preparing that, it to react well to the color process. Yeah. yeah. No. Like they. Yeah. I'm the sure place, they're also really tan. They're this, like they've got like air, orange airbrush on them. Yeah, but the set already looked like it was a two strip Technicolor before they started shooting it. 
Yeah. Everything already had that effect to it. Like the red it that you have yeah. on him is not a true technicolor. Yeah, I mean it's close, red. but it's still it's hilarious that they prepared for that. And it's the same thing where like that the famous shot in Wizard of Oz. Paul, you're on that commentary. We're all in that commentary. But the famous shot in Wizard of Oz where she opens the door into uh, the Munchkin area. It's not a comp. It's not a comp shot. It's not like it's a black and white co- shot and she's opening it into a color shot. It's a black and white painted set with a black and white painted girl in black and white clothing, just filmed in color. But she's all black and white in that scene. Yeah. Instead of doing color correction or doing some weird optical, they're just like, fuck it, just paint her black and white. It'll be fine. Yeah, so you have to, like, everybody had their color palettes already set and ready for it before they started doing the two-strip stuff. Okay, so... So we want to get into that? There is an insane thing that humans did for years and years. It was the only way to do it. <laughs> it's the only way that opticals started happening in the first place. The shit they were doing with chemicals, it's, it's something that would have been like a stunt that you heard about someone actually pulled that off once and think that's amazing, and it just became the way we do things. The way that film and color and early opticals and shit like this happened in the early 30s and 40s 20s and 30s and 40s is, is psycho and it's how they did it for years and years so that's how you get two strip that's how you get all this this optical compositing shit that comes later but this look is reminiscent it's not exactly right but it's reminiscent of what two strip technicolor film would look like when you eventually get done with it and projected it paul do you want to start or should i start go okay, for it yeah there are all sorts of different experiments done to try to color film um what originally what they would do, which they, they have been doing ever since like Lumiere, like, and there were parts of Hell's Angels that were done this way also, was to just hand color stuff. Yeah. So you just get hundreds of people in a room together and you give each of them a strip of film and you give them their crayons and they say, hey, color all of these uh, frames, these colors, so yeah. that when we project this, it will be, yeah. be projected in color. And it doesn't look much better than like an Andy Warhol painting in motion. Right. But um, everybody knew how, technically how color photography should work um color still photography was already a thing there's all sorts of really great um old images that have been restored from um uh, like russia in the 1800s like, yeah like 1800s like russian cameras where you would people would photographers would take uh three photos uh with one camera or three photos with three cameras one with a red filter one with the green filter and one with the blue filter and that would give you three different registers that you could then expose right. in different ways and blend together. The lens is seeing the world in color. The film can only see black and white. If you put a filter between the lens and that film, then the, the film is going to do a black and white exposure of what you can see through a red filter. It's still going to be a black and white picture, but it's going to be a different black and white picture for red <laughs> than it would be for blue, than it would be for green. And then when you stack those back together and film and you project them through, uh, there's a red tint on this one, there's a blue tint on that one, a green tint on that one, on top of each other, it adds right back together the way it should. It's it's crazy, but it totally works. Color theory, but you can't do that very easily with a motion camera because it's you're trying to shoot twenty four. Yeah, because you're taking twenty four pictures every second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not to mention, I mean, uh, among other things, uh, well, yeah, okay, yes, but so yes, it's tricky. Well, probably not actually twenty four pictures a second back then. Right. Um, mm, no, nope. it was twenty three point nine seven six second. Uh, some cameras or some sometimes when you see films that look like that they're like hyper timed, like they're over cranked. Yeah. Or sorry, that looked like they're undercranked, being played back too fast. Mm-hmm. It's because they were captured at twelve or eighteen. Yeah, yeah, and played meant back. to be played back at twelve or eighteen, but but now everybody we, just but plays now we it play back, them back at, at twenty four. Twenty four, yeah. yeah. And, but twenty four was established for sound, so yeah. that there would be a consistent speed for right, sound. Right. So that's when they needed a consistent thing. So and their solution for this problem, when it came to film, they were fucking with it for years, and what they eventually settled on, it sounds crazy. But it totally worked. <laughs> uh, two strip technicolor and three strip technicolor are different things that are done almost the exact same way. It's just three strips a little bit harder. But what's happening is that there is a camera pointed at the stage, right? 
light is coming into the camera and getting projected onto the film. The film exposes. It keeps moving on. There's also, between that film plate and the stage, there's a prism at a 45-degree angle shooting half of the light out to the side of the camera where there's a separate film recording over there. And they're basically doing the same thing you do with the old Russian photos where you're just you splitting it off onto two different... Uh, in this case, they would have been black and white films. No, no, no. Uh, in any case, they're splitting light with a prism and recording it twice at once. They're getting sort of both images for free and just recording them on different kinds of films. You can strip it back together. When they do three strip, it's actually the same exact thing where there's two kinds of film. It's just that one of the film is a black and white sort of... Um, one of the film is panchromatic and one is orthochromatic. So... Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I have it backwards. You're one, about one, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 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 One of the <laughs> things that, that are recorded... Really not relevant. Uh, one of the ones that's recorded is one piece of film and the other is a pair of pieces of film next to each other so you would get your green with the one and red and blue be together green is looking through a, re- a green filter red and blue is looking through a magenta filter and somehow someone figured out that this works and it does it's a pain in the ass but it does if you google two strip technicolor or google three strip technicolor like the first three results will show you the images and give you way more accurate descriptions yeah. of this than but this looks like what would happen explaining to somebody right when now. you have two strip technicolor. Yeah. So the reason why the two strips, like why um, cyan and red were picked for two strip was because it preserves skin tones pretty well. Uh, you got a pretty good, um, if pretty good did, reproduction of a right. skin tone by coloring those that way. Other stuff would get so, weird. So like, everything, else, everything else in the world would look weird, but there's no, the, there's the no people blue red, would be okay. There's no blue register. Like there's no blue-yellow yeah. on the spectrum because it's not a thing. So everything is kind of... Blue, cyan red. Um, is pink and pink. orange. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but then with three strip, yeah, you have the two other ones stacked together going through the same filter, but one of the strips of film is reactive to blue light. What's crazy oh, is this is, a, this is a very involved, complex, impressive CGI orchestrated scene of an actual orchestration of airplanes at some point in history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's crazy as a CG thing. But it's only yeah. a representation of something some asshole actually really did, did with lots of airplanes. Yeah. That's how we used to do that with shit. With the largest private um air fleet, force, yeah. Like ever amassed. And by the way, since we've already come so far on poorly explaining the complexities of what's going on with the two strip, mm-hmm. one step further gets you the earliest like traveling mass and optical compositing where the whole trick to doing a comp like that is just having two different versions of the same thing. If you filmed it two ways at once and they're, you know, if you have the ability to film the exact same thing in two different ways and they'll totally line up except they were captured on different kinds of film, well then all of a sudden you have all the options of the world where if like if this one's only like this is like a weird like orthochromatic film that can't see that color so we filter it that way the screen is that color then this becomes just a black background with a person on it and like this but over here it's just normal colors when you have the ability to film it twice at the exact same time that's when you get the ability to start separating people out and then shit just got crazy you almost you're halfway to talking about sodium vapor um yeah keying which is like a weird thing that disney um oh, mary yeah. patented and did oh, a whole yeah. bunch and mary yeah. poppins yeah. where they were ca- they were doing that but they were capturing the mat with a different kind of film through a beam splitter at the uh-huh. same time. Yeah. Which so, is crazy and awesome. <laughs> they were it made doing, sense at the time. Yeah. Well, they were doing the key while they were shooting the photography, which is brilliant. Whoa. You blew my mind, sir. <laughs> yeah. Disney, man. It's crazy. How does Disney not show up as a character in this movie? Like, you want Disney and Howard Hughes to like, you crazy? Oh, yeah. Crazy as a mofo. You? Oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go build your dynasty. Oh, wait to see what I've got in mind. Woo! Keeping it crazy, Walt. That's uh, right. Also, um, also but three, acceptably crazy. Am I right, man? Three uh, 
Just three like pilots or three aviators. What's the difference between a pilot and an aviator? Uh, and a naval has, aviator. One yes. has a college degree. <laughs> it's, there's no real difference. Uh, naval aviators, the kind that land on aircraft carriers, refer to themselves as aviators because they, it's it's because a way. Tom Cruise said so. It's a way it, to separate way of, yourself from the the fly people versus yeah. the. Ocean it's a way. People. Yeah, it's basically the way of putting down it's, it's Air a, Force pilots who, when they have to land, the ground doesn't move in three dimensions, or their runway doesn't move <laughs> in three dimensions. Yeah. Uh, so it's there's no real difference. It's just naval aviators that land on aircraft carriers go. Oh, I'm not a pilot. I'm an aviator. Yeah, or or an airman is uh, yeah. who are the airmen? That's the is that that the air force? Air force is the airmen, right? Uh, well, it's an enlisted rank in okay. the air force. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Three, three like an airman is you're a soldier. Version. You're an airman. Yes, exactly. During yeah. the shooting of the aerial photography, uh, on Angels. So one of them was in the plane with fucking Howard. Isn't that right? Oh, shit. Mm, he crashed a no. plane that someone died on at one point. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. But that, that was that doesn't surprise me in the least. There yeah. was somebody that was like supposed to set off was, some special effects, um, like charge that was in the back of a plane that was supposed to look like it was going down, and then the pilot was supposed to eject, and the plane was supposed to crash. But the guy couldn't get out of the tail of the plane fast enough, and that's a nightmare. Plane. That's yeah, that's bad. That was one of them, and then the other two, that combines fire, falling, mm-hmm. and tra- and small spaces. That's yes. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If he, he crash landed into Shannon. the water, so that would be the only you're, way. You're yeah. claustrophobic. And then it just didn't drown. You're claustrophobic the in the sky. Yeah, I'm in the on sky. On fire. And I'm claustrophobic. So it's like being an astronaut. In a movie. So in public, <laughs> that's four. Yeah. Yeah. In a movie. <laughs> giving, and, a, yes. giving a speech on the way down. And in your underwear. Yeah. There's yeah. also a lot of really amazing uh, miniature stuff that happens in actual Hells Angels. Um, I haven't seen it in this movie too. There's some wonderful miniature. It's a lot of surprising amount of miniature movie. New Deal doing its New Deal. Yeah, great stuff. And being... Uh, Bob Legato. So <laughs> Bob Legato right. and New Deal and uh, yeah, a lot of... Rob Legato. Yeah. So again, yeah, yeah. that's right, Rob Legato. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's weirdly old school and that seems totally wrong to say it that, you know, yeah, this movie, uh, you know, this movie was made, well, this movie is, is it almost 10 years old now? It's 2004? 2004. Yeah. So, so yes. they were doing you know, crazy things like models and actually building sets. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just crazy. But I, after all that uh, talk about the, the whole technical process, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's great, and me and you know five other film school fags think it's great. But Scorsese just made this movie where the first half of it, most people will go, "What is up with the fucking color here?" Yeah, and so not that- even get what's going, what's, what this is for, and why? Why would you do it? I mean, what's the point of it? So it's it's you know I admire the commitment that by golly we're gonna have we're gonna make it look like this movie was shot on you know two strip Technicolor and just make an entire generation of human beings go, "Why is everything?" turquoise oh wait till we get to the golf course uh, so the, with the scene Hepburn. that just happened yeah where, i know i love that scene where he's talking about uh, having to mortgage tool co like he got so broke at this point that he was um he was default he was like i think a week away from defaulting on his divorce payments which was like a million dollar settlement with his first wife so his accounts were. Oh, imagine being Howard Hughes' first wife. Yeah. yeah. After like, <laughs> it's like, goddamn it! If I was the second yeah. one, I would be getting five million dollars in alimony a minute. So here's here's the thing we were talking about is is this is this is real sort of period footage, intercut with their like, recreations of it. Cut with a parking lot in Toronto. Yeah, and so you know, so the for one thing that that crazy color palette that you see in the real footage is the real color palette, and then you see how they're matching it here. And, uh, you know, where everything is, you know, there's no green and blue. There's just turquoise everywhere you go. Everything is just turquoise. That's how it is. Uh, and they, they match the recreation. Damn it. That's beautiful. Though. Yeah. Look at that. And that's, that's, that's the damn, great. you know. Have you ever seen the, um, the. But this scene here is complete, you know, they're set and, you know, and, and extras and elements, but it's, you know. It's and if you find recreation. the neutral footage I was telling you about, you will see that. That angle. It, it, like yeah. to the point where it's like, ah, 
it's just, it just it freaked me out. It looked familiar to me in a way where it's like, I thought this was just like the movie version of whatever the premiere looked like. It's like, no, this is what the premiere looked like. The amount of this history that's still just like kind of kicking around like yeah. in people's backyards and stuff in LA is like astounding. Dude, um, hell yes, exactly. Throughout the 60s, there was this really awesome uh, Chinese theater, like big lit sign in front of the Chinese theater that isn't there anymore. It's got like big dragons on it and it says Roman's it's, Chinese theater. That's right, yeah. Um, I found it one day like in pieces <laughs> what what <laughs> where um near my old apartment um in the backyard of the hollywood museum that's in that little like farmhouse on the way to the 101 across the street from the, um, the one next to mel's not that one no yeah well it's up the street from there huh uh the one that's by the hollywood bowl oh there's that place where like oh, where you go to oh vote yeah yeah if you yeah. live on that block well, I don't, I don't live there, so I haven't voted there. I, I don't but. anymore, but I was like just walking around with a friend of mine, and we ended up in that backyard kind of winding. And to you're like, those them. look familiar, like I've seen them in stock footage for my entire life. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's the sign. That's the Grumman Chinese Theater sign that isn't there anymore. That's crazy. Yeah, they, so like these Hells Angels letters that are big in the background here are, are probably somewhere. like... Fun fact, Alice Cooper owns two of those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a Hollywood He owns joke. the second L and the A. Yeah, well, um, I watched this documentary action. about Hughes, and they talk about um, there's this like there was a building that was basically the Hughes headquarters. It was like the secrets. You know, really fortress. close to where I used oh, to work, uh, by the way. Seven. Oh, shit. What's it's like on Sunset and something. No, it's, it's not it's, Sunset. It's by it's by Santa Monica and Highland. It's seven thousand uh, um, uh, uh, Romaine. Seven thousand Romaine. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's yeah. like across the street from my old job, and I didn't know that until like two days ago. Two days ago, either. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm just knowing where it is. I'm like I must have driven by that a million times, never knowing. Now I want to go down there. That's also very close to where Robot Chicken was. For a he while. never, he never really went there because they established seven thousand Romaine after he moved to Vegas the first time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so these are hand tinted. This is just like let's see what colors we can get out of uh, plus twenty five cyan. You guys. <laughs> yeah. That's that is to blue what Matrix Reloaded was to green. Now these are real clips from Hell's Angels, are they not? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And these are like so the color that they got on that's, that. That's yeah, that's what the hand color looked like. Hand tinting things. And that Howard was, Hughes uh, would have killed for two strip tactic colors. Yes. That that scene with the blimps and crashing into the blimps cost, I think, fifteen times more than most features did at the time of release. Of well, that's one of anything. my favorite little thingies about the sh- the scene where it's like he he meets up with Louis B. Mayer and Mayor's a dick at him. Where it's like, it seems like, oh, this underdog kid doesn't have a chance. It's like he's richer than that group is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he's not richer than MGM, but he's richer than Louis Mayer and his friends. This is an industry that is like... He ended up fucking taking over Las Vegas because he, wouldn't, he didn't want to give up his hotel room. And he's like, fuck it, I'll just buy the hotel. And then he just had to keep buying hotels so that didn't look weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Las Vegas is just like him avoiding checking yeah. out. Right. Yes. It's uh, like he bought the hotel because he didn't uh, want to leave yet. And then it's on like, the well, I need to buy more hotels so people don't think that was a very strong overreaction. No, I'm just buying hotels. That, that is a really amazing it. story. Where just I like, know it. Yeah. Howard Hughes is buying hotels. He's buying hotels in Las They're Vegas. Like, oh, you, have, you, have these, you took out two floors of this hotel, but... We have you reservations, dude. We have, we, you, but you don't drink and you don't gamble. And everybody that works for you is Mormon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what exactly are you doing up in what there? What are you doing here? You got to leave. So I'm he just goes, just how much does this building bed. cost? Bite yeah. me. <laughs> buy the hotel. Code red. Buy the hotel. Yeah, one thing. Uh, Put I mean, the Mormons in charge. They go, they go into his uh, owning TWA and you know his fight with Congress and Pan Am. But that. One thing they basically skip over, if I remember right, is his... Owning RKO, uh, he was running. He didn't. He, he, did, he, did, run, he did own it, but he ran it. He um. Yeah, yeah they, he did that after this. It was this was like yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes up after where, this, yeah. but like his his producing of uh, Hell's Angels and other things snowballs into yeah. He becomes he became a studio mogul. Yeah, for a while. RKO. 
But then that didn't pan out so much, so then it became aviation, you know, more. They went back, like, then he went into, like, aerospace, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hughes Aircraft so, is still, you know, a monster, monster company. So, um, here, here's, a, here's a fun illustration of how, like, history is just sort of this random conglomeration of things. Uh, so, Elon Musk, when he founded SpaceX, he founded it here near LAX in Hawthorne, California, just kind of a little south of here. Uh, and somebody asked him at some point, like, well, you're... You're a guy from the Bay Area, right? Like all your startups are in the Bay. Tesla, the car company, is in the Bay. So why didn't you, you know, why don't you base SpaceX up there too? And he said, "Well, I wanted to, I wanted to put SpaceX where all of the aerospace engineers were because I didn't want to make them come to me. I wanted to be where they were." Uh, and he's he's right. I mean, there's a big aerospace industry in Southern California, the LA area, for many many years. Uh, and the reason that is the case. Is because Howard Hughes just happened to like airplanes and movies at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and that's all, why we all, have an aerospace industry. All of the shit. Is that in, why JPL's down here too? No, that's that's something else. But like Raytheon, uh, all of all of the aerospace companies that are next to LAX and in that general vicinity, all basically spring up from the fact that Howard Hughes was playing with airplanes while he was making movies. JPL's yeah. here because Lockheed was here, isn't that right? Didn't jo- JPL become? It started as an outcropping of more Lockheed guys. Like during, uh, after Skunk Works. Well, JPL starts as literally a, you know, JPL stands for Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Right. So it, JPL starts literally as some guys testing rockets in the in the hills. Hmm. Uh, and then... Was it always affiliated with the government or was it just like people doing Yeah, it, was, it started as a government stuff? lab. Okay. Yeah. And then got folded into um, NASA, NACA and then NASA yeah. uh, when it... And when that happened, I did a, I did a project years ago for Hughes Electro Optical, as it was called at the time, which was a massive, massive complex uh, down uh, down in uh, industry, city of industry kind of area, as I recall. And uh, just you know, in the middle of nowhere, suddenly just the biggest parking lot you've ever seen, and, and a really giant building. A bunch of it's a, it was a whole complex. It was uh, it was a bunch of, and it was like a military base. You had to, you had to go through a man trap, and I had to get the 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 one time in my life I had to get like government security clearance, you know, whatever low-level security clearance I had just to be able to get onto the, the place. But a, a guy with a clipboard checked your shit. Yeah, and uh, you literally went through a man trap to, with your ID badge, um, which is, I think, the only time I ever had to do a man trap uh, entrance. So, uh, yeah, but Hughes, it's still Hughes. It's all, you know, it's still got the name Hughes on it, all these, all these companies. My favorite thing about the, before we move back into the, the movie proper, about the... the we will, because my spirit animal's on screen. Mm-hmm. She is awesome. About the, the Lockheed thing and Skunk Works and why JPL's over there, if it's not related to JPL, but my fun thing about the Skunk Works thing is where the, that part of the Lockheed crew were operating is where that Fry's is in North Hollywood. And yeah. there's, now there's like a, it's right next to where Bob Hope is now. But that's like... The Bob when Hope you, when, Airport. When you hear those stories about how like they, they hung a painted city over an entire complex so that they couldn't see it in flying overhead recon missions. To hide it from the Japanese. That's like that area that is Fry's in the Yahoo building. Yeah. Like that's where that happened. That's where that aircraft factory was right. back in the day. When yeah. they were designing and, and building out like that first SR-71, they were doing it basically where Fry's is. That's why that mall with like Best Buy and all that shit has a bunch of... The Empire Center has a bunch of airplanes on Little it. Airplanes. And that's why... I, I don't know if that's why Fry's is all fucking weird Why scary ufos and like government over that's yeah. just because it's fries yeah it's just because it's but it's, no every fries is a different the fries in like sherman oaks or something or Reseda is like an alice in wonderland theme yeah but, they're all different themes yeah they're all different themes but that fries in particular is ufo and um space aliens all right and I, don't know is, I like to think it's because that's where yes they I, I do too yeah. Three, two, one. Yay! Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. But Catherine Hepburn. Catherine. Moment of silence, because Catherine Hepburn. If you don't, if you don't know anything about Catherine Hepburn, and it's well, she's the know, best. It's unlikely. 
uh, please, you know, it's possible that you might. Please school me. Fascinating, fascinating. Talking about another fascinating life and the fact that, you know, these two cross paths. For a just, while. Yeah. Just a fascinating person and a fascinating life and an amazing person. And and I was privileged. I, I had the I actually had the privilege. I got to see Catherine Hepburn actually perform on stage. I saw, I've seen Catherine Hepburn live acting. Um, very end of very end of her life. Obviously, she was uh, some play I saw right here in the Amundsen Theater, and uh, where she played a very old lady. When she die? Well, it would have been like eighty years. Hmm. It was like seventy nine, I think. Did you did you, did you go for like the historicity of it, or was it like? Like, I'm I going was, to a place like, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to go freaking see Catherine Hepburn because I first of all I didn't know I could even still have that option. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely going to go do it. So um, I can't, I had to look it up to see what or even remember what the play was, and I think Dorothy Loudon was in it as well. And it was a play that sort of was written either for her specifically, or it was one of those plays like this is a play for one of those for older actresses because they don't have to do much except sit in a chair and talk. <laughs> so it was that. It was right. like a role. So whether it was written for her or not, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely a role for her to play at the time. But just fascinating character. And the, and the idea of the ongoing, I remember when I first, I think I heard about it before I saw this, this like, and Kate Blanchett is Catherine Hepburn. I was like, I can't even get that my head around yeah. how that could work. Like the elf, the yet, elf lady? Yeah, yeah, and yet, holy shit. Nails it. She's amazing. You know, Kate Blanchett is. I've never seen Kate Blanchett not nail it. I think she's. I think she's one of the best actresses. Wouldn't we it have. be weird if you did? Yeah, I know. I want to see. I want to see what what movie does Kate Blanchett just eat it? That's what I want to see. Like like when you woke up that day and you found out that Robin Williams was dead. It's like wow, the world has really world significantly changed. Yeah. If you saw Kate Blanchett in the movie and she was kind of shitty, like <laughs> yeah. you would walk out of the theater slightly changed. Everything is yeah. Everything is not what I. That thought would be it was. more significant than she didn't do good to be like the world can allow for this. The, That's not what I thought this the was. The membrane of reality has yeah. gone permeable. On me, yeah. She's I was quite sure this couldn't this. happen. Yes, I had your assurances. If I, if you asked me yesterday, what thing do you know for sure? I would know that Jesus loves me and that Kate <laughs> Blanchett is always amazing in film. And and now I'm not sure about Jesus either, because <laughs> Kate has let me down. Now it's just Kate Blanchett and taxes. <laughs> yep. But it wasn't in this movie. Uh, no, in which, it, in it, which she is. This amazing. movie, the legend is uh, the legend continues. Uh, great. There's this like. Just because Catherine Hepburn is Catherine Hepburn, it's really easy to like be a caricature of yourself. And she doesn't, and she's not, and it works somehow. And I don't know how to toe that line or how to talk about it, but it's perfect. By the way, it occurs to me that, uh, whoa, Hepburn died in 2003 at 96? Whoa. There you go. Holy shit. Didn't uh, Audrey anyway. Hepburn die way before then? Well, she or around then, yeah. 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 Um, so I forgot to mention this during our two-step conversation. Relation, but though. a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, I I came up with a a, a, a two strip look in After Effects, just emulating this pretty much, uh, and it wasn't excellent, but it was pretty good. And I was excited about it. I wanted to try it on something, so I had my friend Adam write me a short film that would basically just require the use oh, of that yes, gimmick. Oh yes, yes, okay, yeah. I know what you mean. And uh, you can still find that. And I had my actress, our friend Carolyn Siegel, uh, do just just do that voice. Please just do the old <laughs> Mid Atlantic Hollywood voice, voice, please. Yeah, it's the New Atlantic Daily News sort of voice thing. And it's called 1949, the, the number, colon, a sign of the times, and you can still find it. Since then, I've actually gone back and tried to do the two-strip thingy again with you, what I've learned since. And it's, I'm kind of embarrassed about 1949, but it's, it's cool and it has this look too. And I think there's actually an After Effects project as, attached to that YouTube video if you want to. Did you see that I sent it. you mine this morning before I came over? Yes, um, I did. Because the, then after I saw yours and your way. I went in and... Bear in mind, that's my way four years ago. Right. I, I actually made a new one yesterday. And tore it apart and was kind of like, ugh. Mm. So then I made a... Uh, As well you should have. 
I made a like I don't want to call it physically plausible because it's not physically plausible, but it's it's simple with channel math. You don't actually have to do all the shit that I was doing. No, it's, yeah, it's it's all like channel separation and mm-hmm. conditions and stuff, but and multiplications for the light filter. Washed up, dailed fish, not worth eating. So yeah, so I, I sat down with the uh, with the patent specification and kind of rebuilt it. No shit, physically based on exactly what Technicolor said they were doing. Well, that's more than a little psychotic, Paul. <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome. And it looks great. Did Let's it work? Play with it later. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Three strip is kind of hard, but yeah, three strips. Three strips is separate. It's a whole extra strip. I yesterday. It's funny that you say that because I yesterday tried to do the um, uh, the emulate in the exact same way. I didn't go to the patent, but I followed the exact same steps. uh, The sodium thingy with like a yellow plate background. Yeah, and didn't get anywhere near like I, I must have missed something major about part of the setup (laughs) because I was getting like the I was basically getting the opposite of a mat along Uh, along along um, negative film Teague. Yeah, along. Well, I forgot. Shit, my only weakness. I should have hit the invert button, but I was getting basically like a density pass, which was meaningless. Hey, so the movie's on, and other people are talking. Yeah, and not just that, but Jude Law is playing Errol Flynn, which is also awesome. Um, good for him. But then he's gonna grab that. He's gonna touch that blue. Touch that. Don't touch that P. Don't touch that blue P. Oh God! Touch that blue P. Don't touch that. Dude, that P is blue. Don't eat that. But then. Catherine Hepburn is just looking at him the rest of the scene just going like you she's just counting down she's like eight seven yeah. six oh I gotta get him out of here he's gonna four. blow and it's a nice little character moment the fact that you know she she's she the one she recognizes <laughs> that there's a problem and she's gonna help him get out of it right and uh you know pretty soon he's gonna start talking in tongues and lighting things on fire we have yeah. to leave right now but I just love the you know we we totally didn't even pay attention to Bilbo Baggins who is, has come and gone from no, the movie Ian Holm comes back later comes back. that's where he does come like Holy shit! Why is I'm always impressed by like the depth of the casting in these movies. Where for one minute someone shows up in a Scorsese movie, you're like, I forgot he was in this movie entirely. You well, think he'd be like second billing? It's Scorsese, like Scorsese. June yeah, in this movie you. for yeah, like, this scene you. only. Scorsese's doing a movie. Would you like to be in it for three minutes and right. then an hour and a half later in for another two minutes? I would like that. That's yes, how Woody like. Allen films have been cast for the yes, last twenty I years. Would do that. Yes. So yeah, so, I think- we have some smoke on screen, and what you'll notice in like actual two and three strip stuff is that uh, things it, like smoke and fire have like up. a very very specific register, and the reason why that happens is because the film speed was super super low, so they had to use really really bright lights. Mm-hmm. So then everything else kind of more looks normal, but the smoke has a ton more light pumping through it than you're used to seeing, and the so, fire becomes like this weird dark orange. Yeah, just go back and watch the Wizard of Oz when sure. when, the, when the face is on the fire. It, uh, it's an when they're shooting this, fire. Uh, Robertson who like. Kind of <laughs> yeah. did us. He has happy fucking feet. There's Loudon. I'll tell you. That's Loudon Rainwright. Loudon Rainwright. Um, Bob Richardson kind of did a play, kind of a stunt audition y sort of thing where uh, they were both in the same hotel together, Scorsese and Bob Richardson, who had already done like two movies together. But for their first meeting about it, he just like put on a. Um, he put on like a bathrobe no he put on a bathrobe and like covered his feet in like toilet paper and just <laughs> shuffled into their meeting together <laughs> and he was like no, no no it's not the first half of his life he's like all right fine i'll still shoot it but they decided to use like more traditional lighting and kind of do the period uh, kind nice of touch. stuff i didn't with, notice that before what the cellophane and the steering wheel. yeah oh yeah yeah cellophane yeah, but like this movie, all of the Scorsese movies are filled with like, I can't believe Jude Law showed up for two minutes and he's gone now. As Errol Flynn, just there yeah. you go. Ian Holmes here just for a second. John C. Riley's here for a second. John C. Riley's here every every twenty seven minutes to go. You're out of money, Howard, and then go away for another twenty seven minutes. Imagine lighting this scene; it's yeah. kind of impossible yeah. to have lights work properly. How the fuck did they? There's no. There must not be glass. It's got to be in the console. No, there's glass. There's glass. Well, then it's just. 
How the, the light's got to be in the console below them and above them. But it's so warm. It, it's it's very soft. It's even though there's yeah. there's two big lights that are like right coming towards them and they are filtered probably. Yeah. And you can see in the lights of his eyes that there's two lights in front of both of them. I don't remember if we talked about it on Wizard of Oz, by the way, speaking of how the, the fire would look back in the days. Part of it was the color process, and part was just that film wasn't very fast back then, and you'd have to massively, massively overlight your stages just to, like, expose them for how fast, like, this film is, like, it's slow, gotta move on, and no frame would ever have enough time just to expose and see what was going on. So you'd have to make it super fucking bright just to get that going on. And what happens is when you make a stage that bright, fire on that stage, you're currently exposed correctly for both the person and the fire, which means it's either incredibly dark fire, that doesn't happen, or an incredibly bright person. So every time you're seeing that old school, like, fire look, part of it is the color and what happens in the weird... But you're watching, like, an Archer's film or something. Yeah. yeah. And part of it's just like, no, they were pretty much on the set of the sun that day when they were filming that. We, we, yeah, almost, we, we, we talked almost about that on Wizard of Oz. Rotisserie-style like Judy Garland. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is if you if you light fire, because you can light fire, if you put strong light on a fire, you're going to darken it because you're basically going to show up all of the solids that are in that fire and de-emphasize the light right. that's coming from the fire, which is not actually really that bright. So it's it's you can actually make fire look like this sort of black cellophane curtain if yeah. by, by by lighting it that way. The the look that you see in the Matrix in that shot where the fire comes out of the, the elevator, it's an upside down shot where the fire is bouncing the door and you can see it coming at you. That Huge would be romantic moment by an adult offering another adult yes, some milk. A bottle of milk. In an airplane. Letting her put her mouth on his milk. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a, that's the moment where you go, Wow, she's the one for him. Which by the way, if you are an actor and you can pull off the word golly yeah. and, and like totally sell that. In a Catherine Hepburn accent. Right. Golly. Yeah, exactly. Golly, I just, just, no way. Yeah, Oscar for you. Talking just, about just having that, game, that's you just landed your plane on your front yard. Yeah, <laughs> which is a golf course. <laughs> Shit, when Frank Sinatra did it, he had a guy fly a helicopter. Yeah, it was a he dopey a looking helicopter. It. Like, this is bullshit. He's, he's about 40 years from... The only difference between him being, and Orson Welles is Orson Welles would bring his dates back home on a bull. Yes. Well, Ava, Gardner, Ava Gardner was the one that was with, uh, with Sinatra. With Sinatra. Yeah. That's not for another 30 years. Really, in the like, thirty like, there's like there's like a fun like a famous stock uh, a famous not stock photo archival photo of Sinatra landing in his helicopter and getting out, like it's the same thing that he does with his. Um, with I'm his saying water in the plane. story of this film, in about oh. four and a half hours from now, when Ava Gardner shows up. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's still just the '40s by then. So, so you know, yeah, ten years for, from now. everyone dated Ava Gardner in the '40s. Yeah. yeah, but she started with all the RKO guys and just worked her way down. As is her Aww. right. Yes. And as was the style at the time. It, uh, yeah. Then right. Orson Welles spiraled into a weird sleight of hand and bull running spiral for the next 30 years. I, I, Orson Welles and Howard Hughes had to have hung out at some I point. I know. Right? They had to have crossed they paths. You, it feels like they must have. I'll bet you Orson Welles made mad fun. Of, that, I'll bet you like he threw crazy shit. I, I, I just hope it was the most amazing 45-minute conversation in human history that no one else was privy to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just but like, Hughes what was, on earth would they have talked Hughes about? Hughes was a producer that would burn through directors on his projects because he was impossible and then would just have to end up directing it himself. Did you say Hughes or Orson Welles just now? Hughes. Because I could buy that for right. either of them. Right, <laughs> Welles wasn't a producer. He was Welles was never a producer. But just as... In terms of that personality, the concept of the concept of Wells directing for you. I want you to make a movie for me. Oh, let me hear. Oh, what do you think I should make? I, what, what sort of project were you? You can do whatever in? you want, but Charlton Heston has to play a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be planes in it. Lots of planes. I, I really like planes. Also, match, I love planes. Match cut. You guys, you guys pick yeah, up on that little match go. cut. Okay. Oh, yes, match, we get yeah. it, Martin. We understand. We understand. They're smooth. 
Smooth, smooth. Is it smooth as Catherine Hepburn? <laughs> smoother. It's even smoother than Catherine Hepburn. That's where we get that expression. This is smoother than Catherine Hepburn. A freak wharf. <laughs> I, I picked it up as more of a, like, him, here's him dealing with the things that he loves. Like, about to start. Movie stars and airplanes. Yes, yeah. and smooth. They gotta be smooth. Thank Ooh. you for reminding me, Marty. That was yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was I know, that, that was, was actually like, kind of cool. I thought that worked. Or is that more like? Uh, is it uh, is it Thelma Schoolmaker? Uh-oh. Uh oh, September thirteenth, nineteen thirty-five. And there's funny. There's there's actual newsreel footage of this one too. Obviously, that there's newsreel footage of, of this flight. The the fact that there are cameramen there in the scene is historical fact. But when he crashes in the beet farm or wherever it is, there's actually newsreel footage of him standing by the plane. Because when the first reporter guy with the camera came by, Howard Hughes, who, bear in mind, they weren't, like, coming to see Howard Hughes. They were coming to see the fucking plane crash and film what happened. Howard Hughes gets out and starts directing the press conference that wasn't planned (laughs) and says, do you have audio? Can you do audio? Has the guy rig up audio? And then directs the guy holding the camera through his own press conference about the plane crash. And proceeds to do takes. The guy goes, oh, no, 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 that was a bad take. Yeah, we got to okay, do, do that again. Let's do that again. Okay, okay. You're good? You're good? Square? Square? Focus? <laughs> the guy came to <laughs> film the fucking plane crash, and Howard Hughes ended up directing him through Howard Hughes' excuse for why the plane crashed. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> that's the day that guy had. Meanwhile, flip it around, Howard Hughes broke the world speed record, had a plane crash, and then did a press conference right. no, he did in a beef field. He did it again the next day, because yeah. they just flipped out the uh, propeller, and the thing was like pretty much good to go. Yeah, because right. it's made out of rocks. It was a pretty soft landing, and right? Very smooth, remember, right? Yeah. He's just, you know. Hey, guy, okay, what I love is that Howard stole that guy's hat. And now he's going to lose the hat again. Wouldn't you technically be able to get a higher airspeed record on a windier day? Uh, Yeah, if you had a tailwind. You got a good tailwind. I mean, yeah. on the order of 15 or 20 miles an hour. I mean, you probably wouldn't want a really strong tailwind on a test flight if you can avoid it. Mm. Why? I'm guessing. Because it's just an extra force to contend with. This is, yeah, a, beautiful, you ever this watch, is a beautiful render, by the way. You ever yeah. watch a, uh, any of those YouTube videos of planes landing with strong crosswinds? Oh, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's scary. Yeah, that's where they, you're just kind of like, can you even do that? It yeah. just like looks, it looks wrong. Was this, the, fl- was this the test flight where the landing gear stuck when he took off? No, because this was, no, this was so. for the air. This record. one doesn't have landing gear. Those, the, the feet don't move. That, that plane has solid... They do? No, it's their... No, they just they showed it folding in. in. This, yeah. They fold in this way. Look. Oh. That was one of its the big innovations. Oh. Of, yeah. What the fuck was I talking about? It's all about the aerodynamic What the, what the fuck are you talking about, I was totally wrong. What are you talking about? It's totally wrong. It's got, it's got landing gear folds up like it. A, <laughs> folds up like a duck's feet under its ass. What are you talking about? <laughs> like a duck's feet under his ass. Like, like a duck's feet under his ass. Like a duck's... Like a duck, like a duck's feet under his I ass. That's a weird looking plane. I moratoriumized. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't. It's own been me. For, it's been forty five minutes. The yeah, uh, yeah, I know. We held out as long as we can. This, this real madness. It just happens. That's beautiful. Look that, at that. And one of the things, for example, some of these, some plane. of these shots, you know, God bless you, Rob Legato. Some of these shots are just all the actors are standing there going woo, and a miniature plane is flying by in the foreground. That's how they're getting some of these shots. <laughs> are you shitting me? That's yeah, hilarious. no, that's absolutely yeah. true. Like there's these flybys. Like uh, you know, there, there was one. I think we already had it where the, everyone's going boom, and the plane goes zip. That's a, that's a freaking <laughs> like miniature. The actual, a, that's an RC the, plane just going by. Yeah, the pre-sound mix is zzz. Yeah. <laughs> no, look to the keep further. Look further out. Look further out. <laughs> Great, we got it. What? My favorite, my favorite uh, practical effect is the is the weird forced perspective airplane that they have when the Oof. the next plane crash. 
the you know that that oh, mul- the, the multi prop the multi prop thing FX eleven XF eleven yeah the that 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 prop is insane and, and just you know it's like I, I did pretty, you catch the uh, the pretty, frame that I they did for, like, yeah just now yeah. yeah there's a but, couple of there's a lot more of those in this movie than you think there are yeah. what I love about this scene is I don't know if you guys remember the music but it's a Bach fugue what's playing right here oh that's right it's, yes. it's five sixty five I think it's Toccata and fugue in D minor and it's that it's that scary like organ music. That shows up in a couple of places in this movie. And it wasn't until today when I was setting this up that I had watched the end of this movie waiting, like setting up the mics and shit, that I, I saw the credits all the way to, to the end. And there's a piece of music that plays after Ooh. the cool, wonderful score by, uh, I want to say Howard Shore did this movie. Howard Shore, yep. yes. Um, where there's like a, an actual piece of just score, normal score, unadorned. And there's a flamenco guitar in it that's, I think it's following the exact same line. I think it's actually like a flamenco cover of that built into the score itself. And I don't know exactly why Scorsese was like, it's got to be this exact Bach fugue, but it's awesome. And yeah. What, 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 what color are beets? They're, what color are beets? beets? Well, they, they, they have green they're, leaves. They're, turn, they're, they're, red, red, they're red and green. It's a red fruit. It's green leaves. It's perfect. Tur- turquoise, perfect. turquoise beets. Orange dirt. She'll go faster. Yeah, Howard Hughes is He's like turquoise. Indiana Jones. Just screaming turquoise. He is. If Indiana Jones had OCD... And it was a yeah, billion and, and dollars. And was rich. And it was yeah, his undoing, exactly. yeah. He's more of like half Tony Stark, half Steve Jobs, half. Yeah. yeah. He's Tony Stark man. Crippling. Well, there, I mean. Batman. Tony's in Iron Man, in the Avengers, you know, movies. That's right. That's what he is. He's uh, half Batman, half Iron Man. That's exactly who Howard Hughes is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, half Rocketeer. Uh, Tony Stark's dad is based, is kind of a combination of Walt Disney and Howard Hughes. And that's, yeah. that's very that's, much on purpose. That's true, yeah. The other thing I picked up on that I, I wasn't sort of <laughs> this, okay. I'm sorry, but right up there with being I, you know, there was there's a constant joke about well, what you know, boy, can you imagine? I'm John, I'm John F. Kennedy. I'm the president of the United States. My fingers on the button, and I'm sleeping with Marilyn Monroe. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> I think a close second in the 20th century has to be. I just broke the world's flying speed record, <laughs> right. and I'm gonna go home and tell Catherine Hepburn, my girlfriend, about it. <laughs> that's that's. As as human endeavors go, I but think going to take all this electrical tape off. My you gotta, foot. yeah. You just gotta feel like I think it's not a lot of you know <laughs> when it comes to the pinnacles by which we right. can measure human achievement. That's I'm I'm pretty good today. <laughs> that's right? like that I'm time. There. It's there like that time when like cooler. when when I remember when when Alan Shepard broke the all time fuck record. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that guy had a lot going on while at the speed of sound. Yeah. That was the yeah. <laughs> that's just the all time fuck record. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> <laughs> Twice in one day, as a matter of fact, he broke his own record. And I'll tell you what, though, I'll tell you what, Chuck, Yeager, her- Chuck Yeager wasn't bitter, okay? No, Chuck Yeager wasn't bitter about no, it. No, he he walked it off. He shook it off. He, he he understood that was the game. That's Chuck Chuck Yeager had a regional fuck record at best, and it, he wasn't bitter about it. He was okay. Yeah, no, he went a separate way. Off. He understood his limitations. He, that's that's that was the key. That was a, a complex dumb joke. <laughs> yeah, that didn't really. Uh, I enjoyed. But it was it. worth the trip. It was I worth thought. it for me. I'm here. For it, was, it was no. I was I was glad it was happening. Which is not what they would say to Alan Shepard. All right. No. <laughs> but I'm pumped. Anyway, um, when I was watching all this newsreel footage, something that I hadn't picked up on until obviously then, is that for being um, a very committed actor in the first place, and I always assume that Leo is doing something that makes sense to him, but it's always very consistent and it's fun to watch. I didn't realize how like dead on he was. He's doing a very, very good yeah. Howard Hughes for looking nothing like Howard Hughes. He's yeah, doing he a really very, doesn't very look good. like him at all. No. Yeah. Like, 
The, I, guy, the guy playing the press agent should have been playing Howard Hughes. Yeah, either I could see Adam Scott. I could see like David Strathairn playing Howard Hughes. Yeah, Sam Shepard. Like that kind of a shape. There you Sam go, Shepard, yeah. Yeah, yeah that Ooh, kind yeah. of a shape face. But Leo doesn't look anything like him, but he's totally killing the accent. And there's actually footage from the, uh, the Senate hearings. So you can like see like him say the lines that Leo says in this movie. I got my reputation all wrapped on it. Like the whole stuff. Yeah. I'm probably the country country the, and never bring come him back. Bring Photoshop, do a difference, Matt, and just kind of see. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually do that, you see a hidden message. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. Just like. Yeah. It's got a Some of this is a high con like thing. Hello. Up. Howard Hughes is still alive out there somewhere. <laughs> I will tell you the secret of my fortune. I've been on Mars the whole time. <laughs> <clears throat> there are there is real footage of of Hughes in here that they've literally pasted. Yeah. Leo's face on. Um, That's true. Not the not the. Not, not the easy way, too. Sometimes in a moving car that's moving in three dimensions, it's insane, you know, but... Uh, they slowly, at some point, they click out of the Technicolor, and I never notice it when it happens. There's two places where, two places where you think I, where it can It gets, of well, just gets less as time the, goes on, because you see a little the point bit. Where they, well, the point where they click into three-color for sure, or into three-strip for sure, is when they're, um, when they roll up on the Hepburn estate. Right. But I don't remember what the order... It's my ex-husband. I don't remember what the order of the scenes... Is they might do it for a second when they go to Thirty Rock to do the Pan Am stuff. Oh yeah, because his his room is no, all you're blue right. and green. The first time you see it in full color is when they cut to Alec Baldwin being Mister Claw. <laughs> yeah, a and lot of red, get, suddenly there's a lot of red in the yeah. TWA office. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of blue, blue, blue and green, blue, which right. is the register that you can't get out of uh, out of these guys. You just can't get that register out of Leo. He just doesn't go that blue. He doesn't perform blue. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't work blue. That's why he hasn't won the Oscar. That's what it is. He won't go blue. He won't go blue. That's why he's got he spent all that time in Vegas. Another disparate attempts at humor by uh, your friends at friends in your head. So the, the, the biggest, the biggest tragedy of like people that have like obsessive compulsive disorders is that they they know that it's there and they yeah. are living with it and trying to mitigate it. And it's not like it's not an insanity thing. Where hence like, the word compulsion. Well, the, 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 they're just, they're aware it's uh, that it's not a thing that they should do. Yeah, they're they can't stop. They're, it's a so they're aware it's a chemical thing. Yeah, there's stuff that has to that they, needs to be satiated and managed and dealt with. Yeah, so the um the documentary that I watched uh, to kind of refresh before this basically had made the um uh the proposal it proposed the idea that he had OCD. Uh, it was at least not bad enough that. You know, he could control it or he could keep it kind of under under control through the early part of his life. But the repeated injuries and the multiple plane crashes and car crashes that we like we've mentioned uh, that he sustained basically damaged that part of um, of his brain that would normally kind of keep that stuff under con- under control and just completely exasperated his exasperated exasperated well yeah there's a part of your brain that you can damage it and screw up your sense of things are okay yeah it's in the front of your head it's it's behind your eyeballs yeah like it's under suborbital like behind your eyebrow right here is the part but you know insofar as any part of your brain does any one thing right so they're like hey and suddenly it's blue how did we miss that subtle change yeah here we go and then blue blue and green green. (laughs) and jack donahue it's the future donahue donahue welcome to the future one trip called it Alec they want, Baldwin, they want Alec Baldwin to play a Mexican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who better? Let's see my Dr. Claw joke is paying off. I'm very, pl- very <laughs> pleased. Is that Alex Trebek? That is Alex Trebek. <laughs> it should be. With or Al- very old Neil mustache. Patrick Harris. <laughs> and yet, Central Park is still turquoise out there. What's going Apparently on? Apparently, he did it while he was flying over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
God damn it. <laughs> like, there's, there, yeah, so and as far I as like other stories. As productive as Howard Hughes. Other awesome yeah. stories that they're leaving out is like when he, um, his, did they do his first transcontinental flight? Was that part of That's happened. Was that part happened. of this? Yeah. Well, he just flew around the world. Well, that was the one, around the world right? flight. But before that was before his that was speed a, record for a transcontinental. Yeah, it was like yeah. five hour transcontinental. S- something. I don't no, think it was eight, that it was eight hours. Yeah. It was an eight hour transcontinental flight. He lost his radio over Chicago flying at night and had to fly blind from Chicago to Newark. <laughs> when he got to Newark, he just came out under the clouds and just like landed on the runway <laughs> and sent a telegram to I have a hard Kate. time finding Newark from New York. Yes. <laughs> Never been there. It's a joke that I figured would work. But yeah, he just, he was like, oh shit, I'm over Chicago in the middle of the night and I just lost radio. I guess I'm just going to fly blind yeah. just, the rest I'll of the way. I'm halfway going there. East. Well, my, uh, I don't know if, I guess that plane wouldn't. I was going to say that modern planes can do like an astral guidance thing where they can find stars in the sky. The SR-71 could do that. The SR-71 could fly by starlight. He seems like the kind of guy that would be able to tell and get pretty good bearings on which direction he's flying in based on which stars Fuck, he's flying dude, I forgot that he's from. crazy. That's nuts. Ah, he flew across the country blind at night, and he's and he's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Don't forget and then that he, he flew did around all the, of this like, while he was crazy. All right, guys, there's there's entire movies in having the first solo around the world flight, and that was just like in a 15 second montage. Right. Yes. Yeah. We there's just a part that away and talked about the better detail that he did while he was doing that. There's, detail. there's amazing stories about like when they landed in Siberia, like this guy has like went two wrong. seasons of this American life all at once. Like something went wrong and like his translator didn't show like nobody that spoke English was at like this airfield that he landed at somewhere in Siberia. And like he like went to town and like found a school teacher that spoke English well enough to get like the part that he needed out of the garage where he let the airfield hmm. and then he just like hopped back in the plane and just like went for it and just kept going. Like there's, there's entire movies worth of stuff just in like stuff that takes 15 seconds in this movie. Well, that's because some people are interesting on a logarithmic scale. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Asymptotically, we're all as interesting as, as <laughs> yeah. Howard Hughes. We were, there just, was a point on the graph where we were right. all just as interesting right. as Howard Hughes. We were well within the same spectrum. But at some point in that, he bought an airline. Yeah. yeah. And then he, yeah. And then he that changed his For me, his mom gave him a bath. We were already, he was already well off the, off of my path. Your mom point. never did that, huh? No. I was, uh, check, check your poop. Poop check. But yeah, so like, as, as far as like the more. <laughs> surprise poop check. That was always my, my <laughs> least favorite part of bedtime. As far as the, the thing where like. Check. The cleanup's hard though, because you never want to swab the poop check. His OCD <laughs> is being exacerbated more by his injuries and just kind of like his lifestyle and yeah. what he's doing as opposed to. Well, it was also the syphilis. As opposed to like whenever he's yeah. losing control. That did not help. It just kind of manifests whenever he sort of loses control over a situation, which is kind of the way that this film does it. Um, it's, right. It's, it's, just the, it's the most cinematic stress. way of saying. The world is making this happen, but it's not the world's fault. It's, his, it's, a, it's a reaction. It's more complex than this, but we're doing the cinematic summary this way. Yeah, I mean, well, there's always an external factor, even if it's, you know, imaginary. You know, if there's a trigger. You, there's some trigger, yeah. From, from that person's perspective, something is triggering it, even if that yeah. is imaginary on their part. From Crutch Guy's perspective, this guy's an asshole. Right. Yeah. He Sorry, looks I'm so having sa- a meltdown. Yeah, he looks so sad about it too. He feels like he feels like such a piece of shit. Yeah, like, ah. yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's that's the thing he does. It's like he's, he's his eccentricities were. I'm pretty, having a moment. I'm sorry. Were pretty well known for most of his career, right? Like they did get worse to the point where he has to like divert himself from. I don't know. I don't know. Most of the American public didn't that. know that JFK had Addison's until like 30 years after he died. Well, the public didn't know that it, uh, FDR had polio and couldn't walk. Yeah, they prop him up. It was like Weekend at Bernie's with FDR, which, by the way, if you piss him off, FDR will kill you from across the room <laughs> he will. with his laser vision. With his laser vision. 
But the film does. How do you think you got the New Deal, man? Deal with like the last like thirty years of his public life, right? Like it's because after the film ends, he kind of goes into hiding and conducts all the rest of his business from from the Las Vegas yeah. suite, from either the uh, Vegas suite or then uh, I think somewhere. Look at in, those colors. Where did he move? He moved somewhere in the Northeast for a little while. Toronto. Uh, he moved to Toronto, and then he moved no, to. I only remember he, Vegas. Actually, I didn't know this until Florida. I was, then he died in Mexico. It was. It Honduras? was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was Nicaragua. Actually, Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Managua, Nicaragua. Brian's been there. Uh, yeah. I, I was like, hey, Howard Hughes and I lived in the same place. That's cool. Um, did you move there just so you could get all of the uh, codeine that you wanted? <laughs> no. That's why he did. Is, oh, is that why he went there? Well, that's why he ended up living, like spending the end of his life in Mexico was because he was like... If there was a country made a proof of all, Michael, Michael Jackson would have moved there. He spent so the he's last, fine. Yes. This makes sense. He'd no, be, like, he spent the last 20 right years of his life with, like, a crazy fucking codeine habit. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, like, two, like literally two grams of codeine a day. Yeah. I recall. Um, I recall from the documentary. I don't, I don't remember the number, the, the amount, but they were like... The, it was a whole cocktail. It, it this stuff. guy has, like, 45 yeah, times more codeine stuff. in him than we would give someone taking it for the first time. And yeah, he, he it would kill people. So he actually he died. He passed away in transit from 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 like Mexico Jamaica or Mexico back to the United from Mexico. To, back he to died Texas to at Texas. his height of six foot two, weighing like ninety one pounds. Yeah, he was over. He was over hundred when he died, but he had been down to like ninety five at some points in his life. He like chopped a tumor off of the side of his head and lost some weight. Like I thought they said, he was like forty three kilos when he well, maybe, uh, whatever. I don't. This it's is possible. 100% of this. He did remove a tumor off the side of his head by himself, though, which is kind of nuts. You, you, you just you, cut it off? Yeah. I did not know that. It says something about a family and a, and a dinner dynamic when the crazy guy is the only person <laughs> you'd want to hang out with. Yeah. Well, the point of this is that like he can't really... Uh, this was something that Catherine Hepburn noticed when they first met, um, was that he... Because uh, Catherine Hepburn had a standing like lunch date with somebody where they would each bring an interesting person and they would all have lunch together. And one day, the person who she had this lunch date with brought Howard Hughes. But Howard Hughes, since he was very hard of hearing his entire life, either because of uh, syphilis, syphilis or, or bashing his head against planes five it was, times, it's either syphilis or a genetic condition that his family was like would have like some sort of degenerative hearing loss like early on in their lives. Um, he couldn't hang if there were more than like if there was more than one person talking at a time. And so if you're in a situation where there's three other people all talking over each other or like this... It's just noise. ...dinner scene. It's annoying like, noise. You can't, you can't pick any of the pieces of conversation, so you can't like align yourself with any of them. Mm-hmm. And you just end up being... Sounding weird and sounding like very dismissive and standoffish when you don't answer a question that was directed at you. Right. But then she picked up on that... Big and night! ...was spending time alone with him and then was just like, oh, wow, this guy's kind of great and we're kind of great. And her feeling was her feeling about him was that he was essentially like the most eligible bachelor dude in the world, and he was really into her, but not in the same sort of like clinical kind of way. And then there's all sorts of rumors that they He's were making it either like Kate Hepper was a sociopath. <laughs> it's it's either that they were both bi or not, and that's all rumor stuff. But there are instances where Catherine Hepburn was living with a friend of hers that she would casually refer to as her husband, even though she was female and there's all sorts of like crazy rumors about both of them but they were at least like man had huge i had no idea that Hepburn was interesting oh yeah she was way ahead of her time in a lot of ways <laughs> you're not a republican are you oh yeah when she asked him how he voted like he would he would throw money at whoever was going to win and that's how he would just kind of ensure his uh um his control over various legislative aims was that he didn't really 
care about the politics at all. He just cared about who was winning. Right. So if whoever was going he to just win, like making winning bets, that's all. Yeah, he would just keep making winning bets and have like just be buying politicians just with like the winning money. Right. And then if you go back in retrospect, it looks like Howard Hughes has just been secretly like controlling the government for a hundred years. Eh, no. Well, yeah, not quite a hundred. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, not really, because the government went after him for a very long time, very famously. So. Clearly, that's because he loved avoiding taxes. <laughs> well, clearly, if he was controlling the government, he wasn't doing a very good job. But Look, avoiding taxes was his favorite thing. Like, if he was going to get taxed one million on a four million dollar deal, or taxed two million on a ten million dollar deal, he would take the deal where he would only be taxed one million dollars, despite the fact that it was a smaller percentage overall of the <laughs> t- total amount he had standing to gain. Just to literally give less money in taxes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, well, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> I mean, whatever, <laughs> but just... It's like there was, um, there was this guy who wrote this, uh, this child prodigy who just eventually wrote this book on how to get across country on commuter rails using transfer tickets. It wasn't Frank Abagnale, was it? Because no. that'd be amazing. It was like a child like chess prodigy, I think. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, sounds, I know what you're talking about. Familiar. It was in, uh, it was in, there was a, it was in a Gladwell book, wasn't it? I don't read him. I think he got referred to in... Uh, out, it would have been Outliers, I guess. Look at this. It's weird that the sky is blown out. They would have... In other parts of this movie, they would have articulated the sky in a way to make it look more vibrant. Gone in like a bluer direction. With Gotta it. get that magic hour, man. It's pretty, though. Um, Yeah, the thing I still can't really peg down about Howard Hughes is... Was he actually, you know, brilliant or, you know, genius in the decisions that he made? Or was he just a fucking nutter and just got lucky <laughs> yeah and just like the if you dice start with came all the, the money right way. yeah if you start with all the money and the dice just come up the right way often enough then you he just managed to forestall yeah he made know. a lot of really shitty decisions also he just yeah, made a, yeah. so many decisions yeah that's the thing like, oh guys I mean, here's a there's a really funny like easter egg sort of thing popping up so they're watching the outlaw right and then he flips it over and he's got his drawing for the design of the hercules uh, of the hercules case, yeah but they're only showing the um, they're only showing that one piece of paper, but then he stands up with his uh, his paper pad, which has more drawings on it, but also has this like crazy pneumatic bra thing that he developed for Jane Russell. <laughs> like in real life, he developed this bra, like it was, it was sort of like a cross between like a push up bra and like a seamless thing that had like this like pneumatic like heaving apparatus built into it. <laughs> so it would give you Who like the a fuck he- are you? <laughs> yeah, an artificial heaving bosom. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it had like these air bladders like inside of it that could be like pumped from behind. And there it is, down on the bottom. There it is, right yeah, on the see, left. There's a, there's a there's a brazier right there in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> what? Howard, could you focus here? We're having a meeting. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Smooth titties, smooth gentlemen, titties, smooth titties. Well, all right. And I like to think that, that, that like that's how Elon Musk does it too. Like that's yeah, what's, I if, think you, so. if you happen to be at like when a Elon Musk finally reveals yeah. the bra technology, I'm going to build the largest. I'm going to build the biggest plane ever conceived. Also, I need to get this like air bladder working in Jane yeah. Russell's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm a man of big ideas, gentlemen. What's up, big ideas. Hayes Commission. Well, it's, it's the MPAA. It's at, um, the, pre- the precursor to it, at least. In right? real life, he brought a uh, Hayes. A real- Hayes was before. Hayes was the 30s. He, oh, sorry, not Hayes. Um, but wasn't it still Hayes the same? It was still the Hayes Code. But this is the MPAA. Breen, sorry, Breen Commission. Yeah, Mr. Breen. Um, the photoplay. In real life, he brought in a real mathematician to do this calipers thing. But they're just like, oh shit, we still have Ian Holm. Let's use him a couple more. Right, time. right. <laughs> let's we, just we use have him, him establish another. Let's just use him as guy. generic scientist. Anytime we need like a meteorologist or like 
somebody to give us any sort of like input. giant breasts full of milk. <laughs> oh, See man. how they tied that all together. You know, I find that's the case often with with Scorsese movies. By the way, they're when when they are on, they're incredibly watchable. I don't know exactly what that distinction is, but like Wolf of Wall Street is another movie where if, when you press play, yeah. you are just in. It just goes. Long movies typically like are hit or miss. His movies are almost always long, but almost always incredibly watchable from scene to scene. Well, he, I wonder if he just chooses big. He has some misses, I think. But wh- when he hits, I, honestly, I think right. they're more watchable lately. Like I think, I think yeah. after he got over his sort of De Niro and Pesci phase, yeah, <laughs> which most people or many people right. would say was which, the only good which, phase. Which, which, exactly. Now exactly. he's all commercial and who cares? I, I yeah, I, I, I would say that it's just I've, that he's gone big. He's just gone big and yeah. bold and, and loud. Even with the characters. I found even Hugo watchable, although I don't ever want to watch it again. I haven't seen Hugo, so but, I, I did uh, not find one. Hugo watchable. Yeah, Hugo is kind of like you know, you just like zoom on through it, and then once it's over, you go, well, that happened. But uh, it's it's got great things in it, but it just didn't really grab me. But um, yes, I'm I'm I'm. Most lacking in my in my you know Pesci uh, uh, De Niro De Niro ness, but I've seen you know I've seen Raging Bull uh, once when it came out. Um, I've seen uh, you know Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver I think is still an amazing thing. Um, I need to watch that again. I didn't like it the first time. King I saw of Comedy. It. I might like King it of more. Comedy. I need to re-see because I liked it when it came out and I was alone. <laughs> I was the only one on the planet who liked it when it came out. So great. But apparently it is is become a thing that people like. Uh, which is great. I need to check that out. It's gotten more prescient with age. <laughs> good, 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 good for it. <laughs> oh God! I just left. I like the idea that he didn't tell him that he was doing. Yeah, what am I doing? Just come with me. <laughs> Don't ever surprise guys. We've been over this. Never surprise Ian Holm with new measurement tools. <laughs> yeah, it freaks no. him out. He can't handle it. Yeah, man. I wonder what it is about these movies that are... So, maybe it's just that it's such a loud performance. What, uh, DiCaprio's is? Yeah, well, I'm trying to figure out why these all these more recent Scorsese movies, if anything else, are just so fun and drawing and accessible to watch. And I wonder if it's just because the performances are so big and crazy and fun that you want to hang out. That can't be all of it. It's, it's got to be like a pacing thing, too. I don't know why, but like I... I think, it, I mean, at least with The Aviator, it must be a pacing thing because it just feels like, you know, like like Paul was saying, it was like for all of the amazing things that this movie depicts, there's as as much, if not more amazing things. Yeah, at least just, another movie is worth There's of, at least a mo- movie, another movie, if not two other movies worth of amazing crap that we just don't have time for. And it, the movie feels, you know, overstuffed in, in a good way. It's a hell of a suit Adam Scott's got, got going on here. Yeah. And is. he's got a bandana for a tie. Yeah, that's what's going on with that tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh the Hercules <sighs> I've never I've been out of that hangar yeah yeah. I, it's big as shit right it's huge it's it's. I was well I worked at the Queen Mary when the goose was still there and was the other attraction and it's yeah so you have seen it in person oh I've yeah I've walked all over that damn thing um, the weird thing about it is it doesn't seem that big because you don't actually have a frame of reference for it or you know the way it was displayed in the Spruce Goose Dome um, yeah, they go, it's the biggest plane ever built because the wingspan is bigger than 747. Well, I don't have like an instant mental picture of how big a 747 is. Right. So I walk in and go, that's a, okay, this is a very large plane. Clearly, right. I'm standing like, next to a very large like, plane. I'm not saying it's a small plane. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying it, I, I get that it's big, but Is it big I enough to do that like uh, uh, Grand Canyon thing where you just have no sense of scale? 
to it? Uh, <laughs> not really. Not really, because it's it's it fills the dome. So the the one thing you do get is. I would be struck sometimes by you walk around, you go, yeah, big plane. And then you walk over to see what, you know, what the, the gift shop has. And then you realize you're still under the wing of it, even though you <laughs> feel like you walked, you know, to put to Sheboygan. But, but it's like, and I'm still technically under the plane. Okay. So it is, that's large. That's very large. There's a, if you, if you go online, I think on Wikipedia, there's a, there's an image somewhere, a graphic somewhere of somebody overlaid the silhouettes of the Spruce Goose 747 and A380. Uh, and I think whatever the largest military cargo plane is. DC A380s are pretty big too. A380s are enormous. Like A380s are like that's a plane you look at and you go, that's <laughs> fucking that can't be right. How does that? How does that even stand on its wheels, let alone fly through the air? Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, there you go. There's yeah. another picture next to that. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of there. Yeah. You go back one. Wait, I, I want to see this picture first. Wow. So okay. we, yeah, we yeah. just found this overlay image. Yeah. But yeah, like they're, but they're all on the same scale. It's yeah, they're they're approximately the same. And what's size, what's, yeah. what's really interesting looking at them here is that all the modern jets have this sort of delta wing shape where it's more yeah, of like a, an wing, angle yeah. triangle thing. Yeah. And the Hercules is still that old school flat out. So well, it's because it was developed so much earlier than those other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's an entirely different design, and it's bigger. Oh yeah, and, and the, it doesn't even benefit from being swept. Also, it's the, made uh, of wood. The, yeah. yeah, it's not also even made of aluminum. Made of fucking every other plane in the world is made of aluminum because it's so light. Okay, it's a blimp. Um. Yeah, so the the other one it lists is the what's it says AN225 which is the Antonov 225 which is the Russian yeah, version of giant ass cargo plane which uh, it's the it's the second biggest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. So if you ever see a picture of that that's another one you go that's a massive fucking airplane. Speaking of giant Russian aircraft that I didn't know existed, I recently saw a picture of the biggest uh, <laughs> helicopter that ever happened. Yeah. And it is it's not okay. It's like an office, <laughs> it's like a, it's like an office building with rotors. And the rotors are the size of like not even, they're bigger than telephone poles. It's a fucking huge helicopter. And then on that same subject, I just saw a picture of a giant tank I'd never seen before from World War II. Like the Hitler in front of this tank that's like 60 feet tall. Like it's just a, oh, t- yeah. it's, it's a tank. Hitler had a thing for mega tanks. It's creepy. It's like a tank like those machines in Avatar are, are earth movers. Like it's just this fucking huge tank. Is it economically reasonable to make a... Uh, no. <laughs> a, to, to make a um, helicopter specifically of that size because... No, because the fucking square cube law. <laughs> it's impossible. Well, no, because like any helicoptery sort of thing like is the biggest fuck you to physics like ever. Like yeah. the yeah. amount of things that could possibly go wrong are like guarantee catastrophic failure as opposed to a plane where if whoever's flying it's got their shit together right. they can more or less guarantee not catastrophic failure. Right, I don't as know. As long as you're not a total dumbass, yeah, like a plane sort of still makes some intuitive amount of sense. A, a helicopter is like a just a giant middle finger to the laws of physics. <laughs> just pee in God's face for five <laughs> hours. God's yeah. face. Dare him to kill us. We skipped over. We skipped over. You know, a, another. You know, so, so Kate's out of the movie until she she comes back later. But you know, the, her the whole meaning of Spencer Tracy, which would determine the rest of her life, basically, or at least until he passed away. It, just this whole bizarre, the whole Tr- Hepburn Tracy relationship is just just one of those odd odd things that you go okay people can have so many different kinds of relationships speaking about the the broadness of the human experience man yeah it's a wide spectrum hey it's that houston kid so that's brent spiner it is brent spiner yeah brian can you tell me about a double propeller oh there's two of them it's when just it's, when it's one run on top the of counter itself. Rotating. It's just, it's just oh, yeah, to it's offset counter, the torque on the wing, torque. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is that? How does, does it, that make it, it twice so, as fast? Isn't the or? point of it just to offset the torque that's happening to the wing? 
Yeah, so Newton's law, right? Uh, yeah. For every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I like to imagine that you actually don't have an answer for this. You're just going to bullshit until we all yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you in, so bear think, with me, think, bear with think me. Ian Holm talking about boobs right now. <laughs> yeah. So when you, well, uh, you reverse the polarity, see. you can create a, a static warp shell uh, ah. that will then provide. All right. So uh, segue so, to so, Star Trek. So uh, contra props. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Newton's law is equal and opposite uh, reaction for every action. Uh, so then you imagine the propeller is this, you know, creating this rotational thing, yeah. force, the spinning force. Uh, so, for example, a, a helicopter has the tail rotor and the tail rotor is exists specifically to counteract that spinning force of the main blade. Right. Yeah. That's why the tail rotor in the first place um, with the with front uh, propellers. It's not. It just as, wants to bend that wing up all the time. Yeah, it's not as big of a deal because the the plane is going forward and the inertia does most of the work to mm. make that force uh, negligible. But you can uh, put another propeller behind it so that that spinning force of each propeller blade cancels each other out. Does that cool. make sense? Yeah. It's trying to bend the, the wing up and down at the same yeah. rate. And is that not a problem with jet turbines? No. I mean, I guess it still would be, but I think... You it's, get a lot more forward-backwards from jets than you do sideways, though. Spinning. Yeah, I, I, think the, I think the forces are just so much you know, more smaller and greater on either side of that equation mm. that it's less of a big deal. I don't know specifically, but yeah. that's my guess. Because I mentioned jets at the last second, like in the last like minutes of this movie. But uh, that was a big issue because he was, uh, was further behind with his jet plane orders than every other airline, which ended up putting TWA in a really bad spot. They, uh, yeah, so he he designs and you know Hughes aircraft designed and built the Constellation, which was a really big. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was the first the scene we're in right now. Actually, yeah. Well, they're talking about the no. Okay, yeah, you're right. They're, they are talking about the Constellation, but uh, Constellation was one of the first big like popularized cross continental airline commercial travel. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a great old school looking commercial plane. Yeah, and if you if you look up a picture of the Constellation, you'll go, oh yeah, I've, I've seen that plane yeah. before. Um, but it was it was still prop driven, and then eventually the, everything got supplanted by uh, jet jet planes. Why is Brett Spiner here in, for just for a second with <laughs> this badass like? Because Scorsese blue. called him up and said, "Hey, yeah. you want to be in my film? I like Star Trek. You want to be in anything?" Um, I just want to see. Yeah. Br- I just want to see. Unfortunately like, for Brent Spiner, he actually was known as an actor before he did Star Trek. I know. <laughs> so it's hilarious. kind of like, it's oh, hilarious. you poor son of a bitch. I, was gonna, I just think it'd be hilarious to see the Martin Scorsese movie where we're just trying to argue whether or not Brent Spiner is enough of a person that he should have civil rights. Well, we also haven't yes. mentioned how awesome John C. Riley is on yeah. this whole thing. He's great in it, yeah. I never even saw him there. He's there. He's no Dietrich. He's, yeah, that's because he's, he's Mr. He's the closest thing to a father figure he has in this entire kidding, movie. I was kidding. I was doing a Chicago joke. Yeah, so he went to Mr. Sullivan. Cellophane. Never even. Fun fact about uh, torque and machines. Mm. Uh, the power tools that the astronauts use in orbit, they have to be very. They, they neutralize that. They have to neutralize that yeah. torquing force inside the drill itself. Otherwise, Otherwise yeah. if the, <laughs> the <laughs> astronaut were to spin off it, into space, the nut would stay <laughs> still and the astronaut would just spin around in yeah. a circle. <laughs> I thought you just said twerking force. Yeah, I, t- I totally I heard twerking force. <laughs> when our astronauts are twerking in space. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hatfield, I decrease <laughs> the twerking force. <laughs> she can't take it. Take, I'm going to ask you to dial. Mr. Hatfield, I kind of give you any more. Dial down the twerk That's force. when he had to start doing the Bowie songs is because the Miley songs were messing <laughs> yeah, with the fucking could space not. station. Although, if you want to twerk on the ISS, that is the place to twerk because yeah. you it can just do some serious twerking. Just, you gotta call uh, the next space station Big Frida. 
I'm, I'm trying to actually visualize how twerking would work in zero gravity. I think I, I think it would be awesome. I think it would no just what. well, it's like what they were worried well, about with you, the atom bomb. Where it's like you know, you know, when, when they were worried, would never stop. We can just book a ride on the twerk comet. You know I mean, it it's not when, like when the orange juice gets out of the pouch. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Oh, it's just like wow, 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 wow. I I wonder what <laughs> I like to imagine. It's like it's like a fire. It just becomes a perfect sphere. Yeah. <laughs> just back to the movie for a second. Very few 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 humans also. I've had the experience of being broken up with by Catherine Hepburn, and I think that is probably a peak human experience as well. I think when Catherine Hepburn comes home, and of course we never have the right perspective on these things as they're happening, but if you could be the guy to whom Catherine Hepburn came home and said, I'm breaking up with you because I've met a man named Spencer Tracy... I mean, again, you're right there at the crux of yeah, history, exactly. man. You're right. You're on the there. One, on the one hand, you're sad for yourself at the moment. On the yeah. other, you're looking you go, at your... I'm going to be a footnote well, in the book now. This yes. is I'm right this close to being amazing stuff right there. So, of course, that's what everyone's grandma thought when JFK was in office, but none of them ended up in books. That's true. Some of them did, but mine did. I like to cast aspersions on dead presidents. Come at me. <laughs> well, it's 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 open season for that sort of stuff. Wu-Tang. Yeah. She's being a little shitty about it. You have to give her, you have to say that. But, uh, you know. You guys were an uh, hour and 20 into this movie. We're coming up on the halfway mark. Yeah. Whew. Almost. They're, and, they're, and they've already started. It's kind of appropriate that they've already started to talk about, you know, the Hercules. Um, the Hercules. Her- Hercules. Hercules. But. Uh, That's Bruce Goose. It, it does make you kind <laughs> of go. What, what is the next hour and a half actually about again? I don't even remember. Uh, all of his wives happens. finding out about all the other mistresses and. Yeah. Ava Gardner, yeah. yeah. A little bit of TWA. A and then there's also the whole, the TWA, Congress. and the, he goes into the hotel room for a million years. The, the movie theater episode. They skip out on Ida Lupino, though, and she's fascinating. They do. She yeah. was like a... The, skipped out on who? Ida Lupino. Ida Lupino. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard that name before. She oh. was a... That's Heather. Right. The movie's whitewashing the whole thing. She that was, fire? That's perfect. Yeah. They nailed that look. That's exactly what it should look like. I had never noticed that they did that to the fire, but that's perfect. Sorry, go on. Uh, Starlady kind of uh, ingenue. I, sure, started when she was like fourteen, and um, <laughs> da, da, eventually da, da, da. ended up with Howard Hughes for a while, and then like broke up with him. And then she was at a dinner with who directed Bicycle Thief? Oh, Astoraro? Not Astoraro. No. Uh, yeah, I know. Polanco. Francisco, Francisco, some I don't know. She was she was at a party with an Italian neorealist. Right. Sure, like you do. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. so Ida Lupino and an Italian neorealist walk into a bar. Walk into <laughs> hey, a party. Vittorio De Sica. It wasn't Vittorio him. De Sica. It was Francisco it. something. It wasn't Vittorio De Sica. Sorry. Okay. So um, it was a different so Italian realist. It wasn't the bicycle thief guy then. Yeah, it was a different Italian neorealist. And he was like, Why don't you make movies well, about normal they're, they're about all. normal people having normal normal people things happening to them? And you're just like, yeah, sure. I'm going to go do that now. So she ended up becoming the only female director of that that's like right. entire time. Yeah, she's one of the... She was, that, the, that's one she of was one of the only... Um, few female it was Roberto Rossellini. She Rossellini. was at a party with Roberto Rossellini, who was just like, you should make a movie about people having people things happen to them. So then she goes and makes movies about like polio and rape and abortion and yeah. like... That's right. I know, her as, I, I know her as an actress, but yeah, that's, that's one of those trivia things. It's like She's also one of the very early few... Female directors. Well, there's a similar um, thing with. Um, and they got Nightmare playing right now for Artie. Artie what? Artie who? What's his la- guy's last name that did Nightmare? That song that was playing for that entire scene. Oh, I don't know. No idea. Couldn't tell you. Sounds <laughs> sort of like Minnie the Moocher, but it's scarier. Artie Shaw. Are you just, Artie Shaw. Yeah. Just Artie saying Shaw. words. Ah, yeah. Artie Shaw is a nightmare. Trey got it. Have you not heard about Minnie the Moocher? That low down no. hoochie goochie. <laughs> no. That's a. 
Well, she then she, you haven't seen the she, Blues Brothers. She went have around you? with a bloke named Smokey. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you don't tug on Superman's cape. Um, here she is. Face is, is this Faith she familiar? Is Faith Demurg. Faith Demurg. And again, I just, I just, I that name always. I just go right to this island Earth. That's what I think of because that's what she was in. This island Earth, the movie that they did in MST3K, the movie. Yes. Oh, oh no shit! With the Otabacron. That's the MST3K. That's the movie. That's the, the movie. movie. The MST3K movie. That's the amazing yes. doing the movie. Cheese wedge. Yes. She was under contract to someone else though, so it's weird that she's kind of shown up as if she's out of nowhere. Well, she well, didn't have legs too. This is also a movie, so she had legs, so she could like walk other places. I, don't, I doubt their audition was like this. You do. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a few this things. This is how Michael Bay casts. I'll tell yeah, you that. Probably, yeah, no, that's true. Well, this that. is still classier than how Michael Bay casts. That is true. I just like how he's got a fucking like an Ari flex back there. Yeah, just like boom, boom. Where I, were you on the night of the thirteenth? I, I want to have auditions it's like, like the that, Luxor though. on its side. <laughs> I want to sit face. in an empty soundstage in a chair with a jacket turned over my shoulders and a ten k <laughs> blasting at the door, <laughs> and a bottle and of whiskey yeah. in your hands, and someone just walk in and I go, hold it right there, stop, turn around, turn around. <laughs> like it's the kind of that's the kind of light. When you turn it on, it sounds like a car backfiring. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever killed anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's all. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and then, but then, no. Then you have someone hiding outside. Just turn the light out, yeah. and it goes completely black. <laughs> and then someone like just hire two PAs to hide yeah. and slam the and door shut. Slamming the door. Clunk. Clunk. Are you or have you ever been a part of the Mario Party? And now, for the forties, they've put red into the coconut grove. Good for them. The score to this is beautiful, by the way. If you listen to the the. There are parts of the score, much like the way the color correction works. There are parts of the score that are like done up and degraded in a perfect old school style. And some other parts of the score are just sort of the way score would normally be handled where the music is exactly just fine and normal and unfucked with. And it's just the music the scene needed. But some of them are also like worn out and like tape fuzzed and all record scratchy and shit like that. And it's all wonderful. Like it wasn't until after, I guess, Lord of the Rings that I started paying attention to Howard's score or Howard Shore's scores. Because Howard Shore is a name that shows up on like most movies as the composer, and I was—I just figured like he was just like a company you could buy music from HowardShore.com or something because he just kept showing up. It wasn't until after Lord of the Rings I was like, this guy's actually like playing to be in the history books and composing shit. I'm going to pay attention, and it's amazing stuff. And this is an entirely different sound than anything else I've ever heard him do, and it's also amazing. Like I wouldn't have picked Howard Shore to score this movie. I don't know who I would have fucking picked. Williams would be the right call. Like maybe some guy you've never heard of who's great at old fan fairy stuff. Someone who like he started as Brian Setzer's trombonist, but when that fell apart, he went off and started scoring movies. Like I, have no, I don't know who you get to do this score, but Howard Shore for being someone I never would have thought of completely kills it. And if you listen to it, it sounds awesome and super cool and old school and it's all degraded and interesting sounding and fun. It is the audio equivalent of the weird like two strip process they did. It's just like, oh, that's, that's just the funnest thing ever. Just, just, just like him and him. <laughs> I, I think I, I just love that that Alec, Alec Baldwin, Eric Baldwin, Eric Baldwin has has grown into basically our our finest asshole actor. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not in you know, nice yeah. real life in real life. You know, so you might. You might think of him as an asshole. Depends on your your your. Uh, he just plays great. He gives he, he gives great bigwig. He now plays. Yes, he plays these amazing. And I've never seen more than you know. I've seen I've seen all. I've seen the pilot of Thirty Rock. 
So I don't even know that he's kind of set in stone as doing that. But I just think of it in the movies that he's done lately. And, you know, the fact that he's just, he plays this guy who just, there's always that thing going on behind his eyes where like, how can I fuck your life up? How am I going to fuck your life up? How can I destroy you? How can I destroy you while looking like an affable son of a bitch? How can I do that? And uh, just nowhere does he do it any better than he does it here where he's just got that, he gets his little smile and the little, those, just, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. In my mind, I'm eating your liver right now. uh, (laughs) I'm adding it to my cheeks. Yeah. He's so great. It's a movie about airplane tycoons butting heads at a table. It's great. (laughs) It's awesome. I'm so happy to be part of that. Jack Donahue and Jack Dawson are fighting about money. (laughs) It's the third kind of heat. (laughs) Because again, I've only seen the pilot of 30 Rock and I know that was in there. Who's that actress playing? She looks familiar. Who is that? Faith Demurg. It's Faith Demurg. It's it's the world's foremost Faith Demurg impersonator they got, strangely <laughs> enough. That's you, also Kate Blanchett, actually. Yes. You, you see it or at all. That would make sense. And Danny Houston again. Danny Houston's a dude who I'm only starting to recognize his I know. face. But he's, he's in everything. He's been around forever. He's, but I, uh, I couldn't, like, tomorrow my, I'll forget what he looks like again. He's my new Sam Rockwell where I go, wait, that's that guy again, right? He's, he's in it. He's, uh, and, he's, and, he's, and, you, and as soon as I think, oh, yeah, it's Danny Houston, then, of course, I immediately see his father in it. I mean, he's totally see John Houston in him. You go, oh, I totally get that. That's I hadn't John, put that together. That's John Houston. Yeah. That's no across. That's no across the sun. Yeah, I'm thinking of Chinatown, John Houston, now trying to just put it. Yeah. Trying to put it together. Now look at Danny Houston and you go, Is oh, Angelica Houston his sister? Yeah. Yep. Angelica Houston is John Houston's daughter. I didn't know that. Yep. Jesus. Yep. Well, this and is Danny's, fucked. And Danny's sister. I accept no dynasties. This is all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts, right? Hepburn's, Houston's, some third example. I hate yes. them all. I feel like Danny Houston should be in the Marvel universe at this point. Yeah, how has he not been? Like, how has he not been scooped up and is now... He'll be an executive Night in... Man or something. Captain America 16. Yeah. Robert Redford was in one of those. Remember that? Like it was? That, it was a year ago, and it's still the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. I think he, I think he does great. And I think he I think did too. It's just you don't awesome expect to see, like Robert Redford disappeared for twenty five years because movies were too degrading, and then he shows up in Captain America two or something. I know that was odd, but he did all his loss. So you know, yeah. Peter Merrick is played by Kelly Garner. Kelly, Kelly Garner. Garner. Has she been in other things? When has she done? Like what's her what's her top pictures? Too and, many uh, cooks. Lars and the Real Girl. Um, okay. She is in Horns with Daniel Radcliffe right now. Oh. Uh, she was a. Uh, uh, she was in G Force. Uh, <laughs> okay, G-Force. I recognize her from that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that Guinea Pig movie, the, the animated oh, Guinea Pig movie. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, she was on the Pan Am TV series. If that's oh, weird. okay. Uh, oh, there you go. That makes sense <laughs> to link that together. I didn't think nepotism could actually happen through the movie universe. That's, that's weird. Creepy. Yeah. Damn you, Juan. <laughs> One trip. One trip. One trip, two trip, red trip, blue trip. I don't know. Oh yeah, so see, like the they're most of those now greens going, and reds are now they're going crazy with the colors. Actually, yeah. green and red on that set. I wonder if they redressed it for the three strip version. Oh yeah, it's it's the coconut grove has been. They keep they kept changing the decor of it. Guys, we can do purple now. Yeah. We can do purples. These different. I mean, I don't mean the real coconut grove, but the the for the movie they kept redecorating it and changing it for the periods. You know that radio lab where they talk about like the history of like the order in which color yeah. colors were named in every language all over the world is exactly the same? Yeah. Really? How, yeah. How does that work? Because I, you don't find certain colors in nature, so no one ever needs those names. 
but then like as we so kind of like blue came up, and green and brown everybody so like blue was the last color in every single culture to actually be identified there's there's what Wait. is the, I, I forget the book but there's some major historical book that refers to the sky as bronze that's not literary that's just they didn't have a word probably blue. the odyssey like they called yeah, it the yeah, wine, dark, it wine dark sea right and like exactly n- nobody ever like calls the sky blue By, and, yeah like, they, calling the sky blue is like a 18th century invention <laughs> But my bronze, they basically he meant, he meant the sky is bright is it, and shiny. Is it because you don't have to? It's not a color; it's the sky, and yeah, there's no yeah, other yeah. place just, you can point. It's just the like, sky is that. It's just right. like me. It's just but like nothing a, else is that, so we don't have to have a word for it. Me is sort of like ether nonsense. Yeah, it's color. like trying to describe the color of air. It's like it's just you know the, there the, was, the, the that well, color. You know, like there was a uh, whip pan the color the of up. There was a whip pan at the beginning of the scene where the lights strobed and they were LEDs and there wouldn't have been LEDs. Oh, Jesus. oh well, this movie sucks Shut it up <laughs> Willem Dafoe and, and then Willem Dafoe Shows uh, up no, for uh, Did you guys notice the uh, the flash frame of Faith Demir's face When they were showing the pictures of um, I did not Hepburn, Hepburn and uh, Spencer Tracy Yes of course I noticed that Paul What do you think I'm some kind of an idiot Yeah I didn't notice it I had no was, So they're black and white images But there's a color flash frame of Faith Demir Like in there for oh. no reason Like from when she's crashing into him and Ava Gardner later in the movie. Oh, oh no, no, sorry. Uh, it's a picture from her at their audition. I don't know why it's in there. I haven't really been able to parse it. Well, this could be a bad transfer. We're looking at. Well, you know, Schoonmaker, I mean, she's not that good, frankly. So no, she just she's kind of, way overrated. She just fucked that up. She <laughs> pressed the wrong button. Like, that's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, years later, like, you know, what was the thing with the Faith Demurk thing? Oh my God, is that still in there? <laughs> I told the assistant five times to fix that. When they <laughs> were, when they that were was sh- a joke before lunch, and yeah. then we just forgot to take it out. Nah, it's great. I like it there. When they were shooting the naked scenes in Antichrist, when they were doing close-ups, Lars von Trier had someone else stand in for Willem Dafoe because he thought the audience would find the humongous <laughs> Willem Dafoe cock hilarious. <laughs> there, it's like people think it's too funny. We should not film this. We should have some other man. And like he thought people would find it hilarious how big his dick was and he's like just get someone in there with like a normal donkey or smaller size cock for the, for the close up <laughs> nothing over donkey is you're, what you're, I'm saying you're freaking us out with your Saturn 5 Willem <laughs> it's weird man well good for you Willem you should have pick any half of that but half of it should be looked at at least <laughs> and then all Alda, whose dick size is, Al- is Al- unknown to us at this point it's I'm unknown it's, okay. un- it's unknown to science <laughs> There's not metrics yet for that. Okay. I should hope not. <laughs> because <laughs> I think I think no Alan human Alda, I, yeah. no no human person I, I, could look think, on Alan Alda's penis. I think chairman. <laughs> I think chairman. No. I no, uh, no. no human should look upon Alan Alda's penis. No no mortal. Human. Well, you know it's got to be shorter than his legs. I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't. There are from there is such a thing as folding. There are there are some legendary outtakes from Mash where, from certain angles, it's like Gary Berghoff's flipper hand. You can kind of sometimes see. You know the water (laughs) tentacle in the abyss. Yeah, I do. Used to be. It's like that. Used to be so. So interesting and informative. Now yeah, I know. How far have we fallen? You don't like the idea of Alan Alden's <laughs> incredibly long dick just poking its way through the submarine? And like, just, we're, we're getting to a point here. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio all like together touches, for you. And then it's just right in front of Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio's face, and then it has a face on it. That's how Alda's dick is. Welcome okay, if you want to talk about hysterosity, right, that's fine. Fine, that's fine. D- okay. Is the Gary sure. Burkhoff flipper hand real? Uh, oh, yeah. Or is that a... No, I, I, no, I, he, I never he, knew if that was real or... Like, no, he has a, he has a uh, flipper uh, hand. A uh, deformed hand. Always has. Who, I knew, who, who does? Gary Berghoff. The guy radar, radar from MASH. Oh, yeah. Because the uh, James Doing, you know, Scotty missing yeah. his middle finger. Yeah. I, yeah. That, true that is, is true. Better enough that Also, uh, Matthew Perry is missing part of his fingers, isn't he? Yes. Isn't he? I think so. I think he is. And Daryl Hannah has a missing piece of finger. Um, 
uh, Daryl Hammond is missing half of his face. Yes. Dan Aykroyd has webbed feet. So, uh, Leo DiCaprio is missing an Oscar. Yes. He's missing several, in fact. Some people mm-hmm. say that he misses uh, several. Wow. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> and this chick, Underworld. Kate Beckinsale. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. Uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Singularly sure. most beautiful woman of all she time. Is, she is. There is an attractiveness to her. She does have an attractive nosity. <laughs> attractive nosity is the attractive nosity. <laughs> well, actually, that's the speed of her attraction. Right. Is her attractive nosity? Frequency. We're, we're talking about scale now. Yeah, we're talking about uh, we're talking about scope and scale. That would be uh, her uh, attractive wasarianness. <laughs> I like attractive nosity. Single, so dumb. <laughs> attractive oscillator. Attractive. Oh well, her attractive oscillator. <laughs> Just have Aaron Eckhart come in and explain to me how that science works. And I, she's, she's been a lot of things, and she's great in a lot of things. But I swear, every time she gets that certain look in her eye. I just imagine she's going to whip out two Uzis and start spinning in a circle. I just, I just oh, here it comes. She's here, so she does it. She's going to pop off with two Uzis and blow holes in the floor now and, and escape. How would I have to go? Bang, zang, like a buzzsaw. Just, I just feel like, I feel like that's going to happen. So I think... She's playing an appropriately bad. So, so what better. fraction of women do you think are of from Howard's life are actually depicted in this movie? Like <laughs> wow, a tenth. Yeah. Well, there's only. Well, like- you know how like when Neil deGrasse Tyson says that like if, if in the cosmic calendar sort of sense humanity happened like a couple hours ago on the last day of it. Yeah, it's that many women. Right. It's like the th- the last hour of the cosmic fuck calendar. A billions and billions. Right. It's like the shavings of the fingernail on the, so the arm span. So this is this totally happened to them where. Uh, uh, crazy faith was crazy faith. Faith yeah. followed him one day when he was out doing his like I don't know business errands or whatever, and tried to kill Ava Gardner. And yeah, like well, it was in like the parking lot of a pharmacy. It wasn't like at a at a valet, but yeah, she totally just kept smashing into his car until her car broke down. It's fried green tomatoes. Well, that's and it's a really good thing that Ava Gardner didn't get anywhere near her because like Ava Gardner would fuck up anyone really <laughs> i didn't well, know that well, well i mean like if they deserved it because well, i mean she was a, a badass but she would she scrap was a vampire i didn't, I didn't hunter, realize so. that oh, oh she was amazing like um so later on in the movie where howard hits her uh-huh and um, she and she turns around and hits him back yeah in real life she hit him with a bronze statue that she pulled <laughs> off a counter oh <laughs> she uh, and then he had to yeah. go to the hospital because he had like a severe oh. concussion so ava gardner won that fight oh hard oh, yeah. she won it hard Wow, you gotta be. I, if you're gonna have a relationship with Frank Sinatra, you gotta. You gotta. When she, when she found, I, thought, I think. You, I'm sorry. I think you brought a fist to a statue fight. <laughs> when she yeah. Found, yeah, when she found out that he had been bugging her stuff, like, yeah. and then like they got in their faces. She and would appropriately her, ape shit. She went back and like grabbed a thing and just smacked him in the head with it, and his like his little secret service guys had to come like drag his unconscious fucking body out of the house. Which I'm imagining like Gulliver's Travels like they're like one inch tall there's a thousand of them and they just yeah. carry him out on his back. That's what Mormons out. are like in real life. But then when yeah. Faith found out which this was after the car accident thing they always be like he, he was in a car accident but no it was just right. one other head wound as a result of Howard Hughes hubris. What? That's hilarious. That guy got knocked more unconscious more times than Mike Tyson. I mean it's insane. He's just it's how yeah, many brain injuries look, do you have to how get? Many, how many fucking plane crash stories do you have peppered through here there's all sorts of like car crashes and plane crashes that aren't even mentioned because i guess they weren't yeah because it's only a three-hour yeah exactly look we're gonna do like five crashes and that's max that's it now one of the when back when the goose was uh in the dome still and you could do the tour of it 
Um, first of all, the the history of Howard Hughes, aviation pioneer, and you would see a whole thing, you know, before you walked in to see the actual. It was good. Yeah, nice. nice. Um, it's all about the at the beginning of it. You got to get the. That's, that's on. most people miss that part. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole that whole thing conveniently skipped. Also crazy as a shit house rat. Yeah. You know, they just kind of left all that out. Um, <laughs> so, but so the whole story of you know, which is you know, totally totally depicted in this of, and he was taking it out for a spin in Los Los, uh, you know, uh, uh, Long Beach Harbor just to, just as a speed test. And what do you know? Surprise! He took it off. I mean, that's all. Yeah. That's all happened. Um, <laughs> and then you would go out and and get to walk around in it. But they had you know they did have it open up on the side, and you'd go up a staircase and you could look inside like it was a view of it similar to what we just saw it's like graceland with so right, wings. right in here like while he's focusing on this guy while he's picking all the things there's like a really short shot of him with really long hair being naked sitting in the screening room yeah that's kind of like premon premonizing like foreshadowing premonitionizing yeah foreshadowing there's the word thing yeah it's okay uh that by i, don't or, know. I have no idea how that janitor isn't being played by harry uh, dean stanton four by hours. Hours. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Scorsese called him and howard dean stanton went no nah, i'm fine I'm going to wait for the Avengers. I'm really, I'm not sure exactly that freeze frame might not have been in this and it might have just been an error in the iTunes file that I downloaded. <laughs> that's something I think there are some glitches in your iTunes file. Uh, it's hilarious. So anyway, you could walk through the thing and look inside of it and, and the whole inside because it was never finished. It was the, you know, right. the inside was just the opening. So you could see, that's, that's where you got the most scale scale of it it's you know similar to the side shots you've got where they're inside because you look like you, it was like you're looking down a tunnel because it would shrink so it was huge, but also had a forced perspective thing to it because it was sequentially getting smaller. And you just go, am I looking? Is that tunnel go to Florida? What am I right. looking at right now? <laughs> it was very deceptively weird how, how it scaled. But that was, yeah, there was the inside of the plane because the inside of the plane was colossal in size. I mean, that's, the, that's kind of the part you miss. It's like, yeah, the wingspan and the footprint is like this, but the the actual cargo just stand inside the fuselage, it. and yeah, the you cargo, can't throw a baseball high enough to yeah, get it. The cargo size with an army because it was meant to yeah, it was meant to be filled with like a battalion and their tanks. It's basically know, it an like, ATAT. Yeah, it was. It's so crazy huge inside, and uh, and so and and empty because all there was was you know the flight deck where they would fly from. They didn't ever do anything with the rest of it. Hmm. So that was that was kind of cool to look inside of it. Was really the thing. But Where did it go? Where, where, it got taken uh, up uh, north somewhere. It got taken to Seattle or something. Uh, it like got that. dismantled after like there was this really weird thing. Oh, so it's, where it's gone now. He was no, no, no it's still it's, it's, it's dismantled an and taken museum. out of here, and then went uh, Seattle is where it went. I think or maybe now it's in Japan. No, no, it's it's either Washington or Oregon, but Pacific Northwest somewhere. Hughes yeah. had leased it from, but it's the, a, it's in an he, air. He air didn't space own it because it was built on contract, but then he was like leasing but he it stored from the it. government and, and he, he stored, stored it, it, and it cost him like a million dollars a year yeah, to keep they, it for decades. He he kept it. He kept it for decades on a million dollars a year, like worth of upkeep to like just keep it there. So the Western Museum of Flight in Torrance. Yeah, and then finally, oh, it's in Torrance now. My Torrance. And then so because nice. it wasn't the Pacific because when it left, it was a big deal when it left here. Um, that was years ago. It was like the same sort of team that yeah, helped see, the space shuttle shot get down into yeah. uh, into Culver, right? Well, it's not it's not nearly as big a deal because you could open up the side of the dome and you've got you're in the harbor, so if, mm. you know, and it is a boat, so you can just kind of tow it out. But I think they did take it apart. Ah, McMinnville, Oregon. Okay, Oregon. forty miles southwest of Portland, where it was reassembled by the contractor's cargo company and is currently on display. In McMinnville, okay. Oregon. The aircraft arrived. In McMinnville nice. on February 2-7. Yeah, I want to go up there and... Now you have my carnival cruise lines on the Long Beach <laughs> Terminal. 93? That's Each Nike's bars. 
I just got to read Wikipedia. I guess in this voice. That's a, that's a really perfect like band pass effect you're getting there. That's yeah, nice. That's very nicely done. <laughs> Look at that shit. Yeah. Okay. Look so at that pretty, shit. Pretty, here's pretty this, plain. Here's this beauty. Except for a lot of dust fight. <coughs> so this is, this is my favorite sequence in the movie is this flight and plane crash. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and if you, one of the things that you can see in those old, newsreel, those, thumbs up. those old newsreel footages is there's footage inside the house that he crashed into. Yeah. And this movie is like, Dead on, yeah. exactly. Like you think shit maybe happened. maybe this wasn't so impressive in person, but for the movie they made it. No, dude, go back <laughs> and look at that house. What you see in this movie yeah. might be more conservative than what happened to that fucking house. That was the downside of he living, flew a plane through a house. Living in the era of you know Howard Hughes is alive and walks among us, and he might crash his plane into your house. So here's this. But this, we're all safer now that he's gone. The yes. scene doesn't illustrate his profound folly, though, because he so with these FAA kind of test flights. It's only supposed to be making sure the thing can fly in the air. Right. Supposed it's to it's put, like a quarter of a tank of gas. You can't do anything. Not e- less than that. Because the, t- the quarter tank of gas was for the, the airspeed record for the last one. This is supposed to be even less of that. It's supposed to be like two gallons. That's the plane like, from Tailspin. Not two gallons, but like an extremely small amount of fuel. You're supposed to leave the landing gears down the entire time. Um, and you're only supposed to go like out and back again and then land. That is all that's supposed to happen. So you can check like on the list where it says, does the plane fall apart in the air? No. Yes, check. that's and, all that this is supposed to be good, for. Landed. Right? Yeah. Hughes made his mechanics fill up the tank. Step First thing he did wrong, fill up the tank. Because um, I want to fly it. I want to see how they, it flies. They noticed before they were flying that they were having like weird oil leakage out of the right side, but they couldn't find any of the oil. So they're just like, eh, fuck it. So then he goes, he gets up into the air, takes off. He goes, he puts the landing gears up, but it sticks. He's like, that's weird. Oh, well. So we kept, like, slamming the landing gears up and down while he was flying. Like, that's wrong that it just closed like that. Like, it kept opening and closing. So during his flight, he kept, like, fucking with it. And then um, once the, I don't know, pressure in the right one changed enough, it started spinning in the other direction or, like, something happened. Sure, yeah. yeah. Where, it like, froze up. It didn't, yeah. it, no, it, it didn't it, freeze up. No, it the, reversed. The, the, that was a, no, the pitch, the pitch flipped. Yeah, so it started spinning in the opposite direction, which kind of spun him down and out, and then which would have given a yaw force to it, right? Probably, yeah. Because yeah. he his, in his report, it sounded like he said it felt like somebody was grabbing onto cool the right wing. Plane. Look at that plane on it. Yeah. It's beauty. That's um, a cool plane. It is. So, but if he didn't do any of that and actually did the test flight like a responsible fucking human being, <laughs> none of this stuff would have happened. Okay, and he potentially would. The have only gone part of those crazy. things that applies to Howard Hughes is the fucking part. Yeah, responsible it's, and human it, being are both like. I think, Depending on the book. I think I would like you to display a little more reverence for a guy who totally boned Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> I think that man deserves not just our respect, but a lot of leeway in how he conducts his flight affairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but they're, they're dealing with this it, like, yeah. he's a, yeah. like he's a hero that like, had some horrible shit happen to him when this was totally avoidable if he hadn't like, this completely gone against yeah, like, yeah, yeah. every single regulation. Like yeah. putting potentially like i don't know a couple hundred people's lives in danger if this crashed in the wrong spot and exploded like he's over like, like a wronger spot he's than someone's a, house he's flying a they test plane over like a populated anyway. area like, yeah what the fuck is wrong with you dude yeah yeah joel trey yeah it's hypothetical if he accidentally kills kate hepburn if he landed on kate hepburn now that would have been a national tragedy okay so that's okay. in beverly hills that's totally possible <laughs> yeah that's right or faith faith demurg you never know it's interesting. Well, it's an interesting choice to have done that. I mean, because <laughs> he you, killed Gene Tierney. It's well, <laughs> that's all right. Has she, has she already done the movie? Oh, right. then sorry. It's an interesting choice to you know to, to be a curious question to ask. It's so like, scary with the sound on because if you know because you could have done the, the plot could have gone that way. It's like he's so out of his mind because Faith Demergen, you know, and, and Ava Gardner, and he's crazy and he's too crazy, you know, and he, he makes all the wrong decisions. 
and it chooses not to. Um, kind of showed us before that he always pushes the envelope too far, but it doesn't really say that here. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, this is an amazing, amazing work. A lot of miniatures, mostly miniatures. I have to imagine yeah. in this case that there's a shot right here, right here. That's the miniature shot. Um, uh, I have to imagine... Even some of these interiors are miniatures. If you find yourself in a situation in. where like... Yeah, like whatever that. you'd call it, the differential on your prop, whatever, yeah. goes wrong. The, the the solution to that problem is kill both engines and glide it somewhere, please. Stop trying to fight the engines. You're just going to end up vertically going into the ground. Just kill the whole plane if you can and float to the Van Nuys airport. Yeah, but he that, that would be for an engine problem. So he was what he was saying, what Paul was saying, was that he was having control. Like he was, uh, he was trying to compensate for some force that was pulling him in one direction. And even... Fully like going the other way, he still wasn't getting it level. So like he even if oh. he cut, but it's both a good engines, point that it, it was based on the fact that the props were turned. Yeah, and the torque was was screwed up. Yeah, so maybe so, if he yeah. had killed the engines, like he would have gotten that control back. But but if yeah, you kill so the, the engines, the fire ended that, up being huge because he had way too much gas put in the thing. That but it was if supposed you, to be also if you kill the engines, you've cut a lot of your options if the thing is still flying until then. Yeah. So you know it's just and again probably this probably happened faster than in real life than it actually happens on screen here. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. The fire again, though, that's perfect. Yeah, and the, the way the smoke, like, uh. just the redness of it, like, in, in these shots from inside the cockpit, yeah, it's just it's horrifying. Beautiful, beautiful. Look at that fire. Horrifying. That's yeah. exactly what the... The best part is yeah. when he reaches up to open it and burns his hands. Goes, <laughs> like, that's why he has to Ow. use his back because yeah. he keeps, like... And again, that's, you know, again, that, that's that weird thing. It's like, if you, if you put light on fire... Then you actually are kind of, kind of. You're taking away the fire's fire. Yeah, you're, you're you're lighting up the solid particles of the fire, and the glowy part is now inside darkness. It's a weird. It's just a weird look. So this but, was yeah. This was a real thing. This army dude ran up and like pulled him out of the yeah. fire. And- I just one of those little fascinating things is you know I, I've long since and looked up you know the houses where this happened. I mean you know this is in Beverly Hills, and you can actually go that oh, that's where it is. You landed right there in that backyard. And, it's you know, right it's, over Christopher Walken and Spacey, Spacey Spacek yeah, and Brandon Fraser didn't come out for 35 years. That's what you want to know. It's like, oh, wait, is this the house that Howard Hughes crashed into? I totally want to live here. Are you kidding me? This would be fantastic. Is this the house where so-and-so was murdered? What oh, year did this happen? sign me up. Paul, give me give me like within five years of when this happened. This is still during the war, right? This is 30s. Yeah, I was going to say, because if it was in like the early 50s, that was a huge missed opportunity in Black of the Past. It's Howard Hughes. Oops. Sorry. Missed opportunity in what? In Blast from the Past, where it's like the, the oh. plane crash that happens. is no, it was, oh, it was, Howard It's Hughes. not like Howard Hughes. It was literally it was fucking literally Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes crashing into 50s. Well, I mean, we know it's not post-war because that's the, when the goose was built. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's probably... Well, he, he was building both those planes for the war. So yeah. he's still building so them. So it's, it's war-ish. During the war. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out. So in early, the chat, by the way. 40s, 1940. Frank points out that this, is, uh, this movie lost $2 million Baby, which I like Million for Dollar Baby. It's a good movie. picture. Uh, seems like it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, forty six. He crashed. Forty six. Okay. Forty six. So. Thirty five after. So yeah. So that would have been wrong. There was a title card, but we've all forgotten about it. Okay. Well, that it's was weird two that it's forty six. Then I guess. Well, he has been building the goose already. So so yeah. So yeah. the timeline makes sense. Forty six is the, the getting to the end of the war. Martin Scorsese is good at this. Like just scene wise, really like you know, yeah, this movie scene. A lot of the, a lot like of the like, friends um, in your head. Martin movie. Scorsese is a good filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Good night, everybody. Every frame of fuck you. He's a professional. No, it's just, yeah. but like all of his, it's he. He does this weird heightened thing with movies that people don't do anymore. Like these, these, just, all these editorial and cinema, cinematic and blocking choices all seem fucking huge. 
Like it's oh, a giant man with a with a force perspective gag orange. A there's there's the, a yeah well there's a nod to so one of the crazy ass things of Howard Hughes was that he only drank orange juice that was fresh enough that he watched the person cutting the oranges in front of him. Thank you, Frank. All best picture and best director. Huh? If, it, if it's out too long, it loses all its nutrients. Yes, yes. Uh, no, but like a lot of the weird stuff about the phrase, or not weird stuff, but a lot of the stuff about the phrasing and the way that people were talking about this, the way that his injuries were listed, um, are largely lifted mostly from um, Empire, which is a really long biography on Howard Hughes. Define long. Because like this is a really long movie about Howard Hughes. Uh, barely sub a thousand pages, I think. Longer than oh. this? How long is this? My my little Hughes biography the, I brought the, over. I don't know how long. Like, like the unabridged audiobook is like twenty eight hours. Oh Christ Almighty! Well, well, I don't know. I don't know how long that is. Me either. It's two. Sounds a lot. It's two Aldas. Sounds like a lot. Two Aldas long. When I found out we were doing this, I read the abridged version, which only took eight. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. When the cliff notes of someone's life and accomplishments <laughs> is still like. This really doesn't do it justice, and it's eight hours long. Shit. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I can tell you the most interesting things I've done in the span of 20 seconds. This is about 400. So, yeah. So it's like bigger than Goblet of Fire. So this is like the <laughs> abridged version of, yeah. I figure that's a useful shorthand. Like, yeah. for people at home, yeah. it's like, yeah, you know how big that how is? How many Goblets of Fire? Bigger than that, yeah. <laughs> 2.1 Goblets of Fire. <laughs> fire Goblets. What's the FG rating on this one? Mm. So oh. who's the guy playing like, Odie? Because he's awesome. Like that guy, I don't think I've ever seen him uh, before. Fun fact, it's the same actor who played Odie in the Garfield cartoons. That's, yeah. Mm. I, was, I was worried if, I, if his name isn't Odie, because I think it's Odie, but that's the dog in Are Garfield. there certain kinds of uh, bone fractures that are more or less likely to have one put in traction? For them? Oh, hell yeah. But they wouldn't be putting him in, I mean, well, neck injuries would be the bone injuries that would put you in traction. It's normally a thing where they just don't want you to slice open an artery somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, ephemeral fracture would be pretty likely to put your leg in traction so here, if, if your leg hasn't been set yet. Before this shot is over, note the uh, huge gash across his lip that is stitched together. Her name is Ava Gardner. Uh, hey. <laughs> that is the reason he That is his mustache for the rest oh, of the Oh, so he right. gave himself a hair lip in a plane crash. Yes. yes. As opposed to giving himself a harlot 10 years prior. Yeah, so all of his tendons have to wear those editor gloves. Just for like clean reasons? Yeah. It's all, it's all germophobia. Germ, germophobia. Yeah. Hmm. Did he introduce the Howie Mandel fist bump? I like to think he did. Probably not. Before he hosted America's Got Talent? <laughs> Howard Hughes didn't like anybody. He was really into jugglers. It was weird. He America's did. Got Talent, hosted by Howard Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> None of you win. Now, if y'all want America Calls Talented, well, I'm going to leave this country and never come back. None of you win, but I'm going to give you all a million dollars anyway. <laughs> Martin Scorsese just showed up for work. Did you see the hard cut? Biggest airplane. Like, it's the, <laughs> the font fills the frame. Yeah. Blam. Good God, that plane. Look at plane. that son of a bitch. See, there you go. Look at that thing. Okay, yeah, you get a sense of that. Just the wingspan and everything else. You, okay, but look at the, the, the volume is what, what you can't believe. It's voluminous. It's voluminous and luminous. It's, it's like attractive a, Gnostic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Looks, it's attractive Ocity. This, this footage massive. looks exactly like when they were moving the... Uh, the the endeavor, the endeavor, yeah, yeah. and the which they they're so they're talking about here about cutting down power lines yeah. and things. They did the same thing for and endeavor. The thickness of the wing, because imagine how much fuel that thing would have had to carry. It's crazy. It's, uh, when they moved endeavor through, they had to there like, you go. bring okay. down. But yeah, there's a constellation. Um, the Connie, we call it. They had to uh, bring down traffic lights and and you know signs and things. But even so, there were like 
there'd be like a sign for a donut shop or a Mexican, you know, it's hole like, in the wall restaurant. Sorry, or whatever. <laughs> we have to take that down. It's not going to work. There, there were some of those, and there were Bad others photo op. that they didn't. That there was like literally inches of clearance between. They turned Randy's um, donuts into Randy's macaroni noodle. <laughs> Elbow <laughs> macaroni, yeah. Just, just I love the I love the one one time nature of events like that. Yeah, you just have to kind of go. Hi, is this um, Sancho's uh, Lavateria? How large is the O in your <laughs> sign? Uh, just from a in diameter? Do you have a rough diameter of how large it is? Hi, my name is Frank. I'm from the government. Yes. Yeah. Um, we. I need to cut down the last two letters of your shine. Yes. No, we're not going to repay you. <laughs> oh, they would totally repay you. But the, why are you doing that? Well, we're bringing a large space vehicle <laughs> through your neighborhood. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, all right, I don't know where to start. In 1904, Orville <laughs> Wimble Wright. Yes. <laughs> uh, Matt Ross is Glenn Odekirk. Has he done other things? American Psycho, Face Off, Good Night, Good Luck, Silicon Valley, uh, Revolution. Silicon Valley, the TV show. Yeah. Well, who is he in that? Oh my God! It's that guy. <laughs> That's the guy from Silicon Valley. Never mind then. Holy shit! Whoa! Uh, He's the guy. There's the two, um, uh, like head of industry. There's a Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates in Silicon He's Valley. Gavin Belson. Yeah. He's the Holy one that didn't just shit. die of a heart attack. Yeah, He's the other one. He's oh. the one who's not dead in real life either. He's the so. guy that's that the, the Google. The he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the, he's, he's the Sergei yeah. Brin of the Sergei <laughs> yeah. Brin-Steve Jobs dichotomy. All right. So this is the part where in real life, Ava Gardner beat him Ava down Gardner with a bus. Actually, oh man. Yeah. Actually cracked his skull. I, I'm, I'm still a big fan of that sentence, by the way. You brought a fist to a statue <laughs> to a fight. statue fight. <laughs> That's a good fist, fist to an Oscar fight? Fist to an Oscar fight? What if she branded with an Oscar, that would be I was going to say, perfect. if you beat up Leo DiCaprio with an Oscar, like that's that's like like when the Indian cries in that commercial about littering. Just It's the saddest thing. <laughs> if you beat look, up Leo like, with an Oscar. There's a perfect statue for it right in front of him, too. Oh, like they God, so yeah. could have done it. I'm just, I'm just, I think it's funny of beating up Leo with an Oscar as if the world's been doing anything but that for 50 years. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, really, right. Marty? Really? Oh, uh, really? <laughs> That's a good mustache. Enough. I don't, Solid I don't listen to your phone calls. I just read, read the, the transcripts. transcripts. Yeah. Oh, just read the transcripts. I'm being honest with you now, doll. That's a fun fact about LBJ was that he would make everyone record his phone calls, even these really bizarre phone calls that never went anywhere. Not just like they tap the phones at the White House. I mean, like he would tell his secretary, you're going to want to roll oh, this. So this is going to be right here. Oh, wait, did she hit him with a? Yeah, she is holding oh, a thing. Well, there you go. Perfect. Never mind. She did it right. Historical accuracy. Oof. Anyway, and LBJ would be like, you're going to want to roll tape on this to his secretary and then like call up his tailor or something like that and just have a conversation. The weird, baffling thing. And he would have these conversations printed out and read the transcripts in bed every night. And he rolled like hundreds and hundreds of hours of tape. And the one you're talking about specifically is where he's asking it's, his tailor to let out like, his crotch. Let, let out his crotch, please, because the, it rides up in my bunghole and it cuts me in my giant wiener that I named <laughs> Jumbo. And that's also on those calls. <laughs> <laughs> he would later be an antichrist and Lars von Trier thought it was hilarious. <laughs> LBJ. No, but seriously. In fact, if you, uh, there's, there's wonderful information. You should just fucking go buy the book How to Fight Presidents by Dan O'Brien. It's awesome. Well, it didn't, doesn't, um, what's her name? Doris Kearns Goodwin have a biography about uh, LBJ recently? Could have. Could have done. I was just reading, um, I think a book called Bully Pulpit. Uh, uh, Teddy? Yeah, it would have been Teddy and Teddy. Teddy, and Teddy Teddy's, Teddy Roosevelt's another human being that can't possibly God, have yes. existed. Yeah. And yet somehow does. It's amazing. Man, they do a good job of making him just look kind of just gross and unhealthy. And skinny. 
Like he looked cherubic at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. And he can't have changed that much physically. So this has got to be mostly makeup on both sides. And he hasn't even had his like um, his big his his movie big theater, yeah, his movie theater shut in phase yet. There's right? a lot of die after shit going on in this, by the way. That's an impossible focus that just happened. Alan Alda's a fucking dick. <laughs> Alan Alda's one of those guys I could watch all day long. He's, I think he's great. He's so awesome. I would love to work with Alan Alda someday. I don't ever recommend watching anything past season four of The West Wing, except to say you should watch the last season of The yeah. West Wing yeah. just to watch just, Alan Alda. Just wait for Alan Alda to show up. Yeah. He actually looks like he's, he's starting to look. He looks more like Howard Hughes when he's older than Leo actually is. Like Leo at Howard Hughes's age, same age guys don't look alike at all. But Leo playing 15 or 20 years older actually looks more like Howard Hughes, which is weird. Playing older than he is, he looks more like him than he does at the same age. I think it's so funny that, you know, Alan Alda is this huge liberal and just like all of his roles lately have been. Yeah, he likes to play like, the opposite. Either like dickwad Republican senators or whatever, or dickwad, you know, business magnate. Yeah. yeah, capitalists. Baron. Robert Baron. Robert Loja. <laughs> That's R. As in Robert Loja. <laughs> oh, oh, as in, oh my God, it's, it's Robert Loja. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a funny joke. I just saw him in something recently. He was in a movie that I saw for the first time recently. I was like, oh, Psycho 2. Robert Loja's in Psycho 2. Ah, he is? Yep. Holy shit. He's like the, he's not the defense attorney. He's like his old doctor. He's like the doctor that said, Norman Bates is free to go. And he keeps popping up to like do like house calls and shit. He's like his parole officer for, for psychotic 5150 shit. <laughs> and he just keeps showing up talking about how mr president we can't fire the bomb there yeah and then like They're about to fire the primary weapon <laughs> <laughs> did nobody tell you I haven't been able to el tell toro's you. been completely destroyed i haven't been able to tell if this whole thing with the llamas on and peru and everything is him doing like a uh sherlock holmes sort of like way way in advance kind of i'm just going to keep using this as a MacGuffin until I actually get to levy it against you at a Senate hearing sometime right. in the future that I may need to do. Or if he's actually crazy and he just remembered it at or the right time. Or if he's just getting really into llamas during this conversation. <laughs> Dude, everyone had a llama day. <laughs> llama phase. Everybody goes through a llama phase. What, what are the physical differences between a llama and an alpaca? Uh, well, Paul, uh, since you asked, pretty sure there's more dark meat on an alpaca. Dark meat, got it. I think of alpacas as being colder weather animals. Uh, yeah, more, Brian, more airplane deregulation. What the fuck is happening in this movie right uh, now? So... <laughs> Uh, pa- um, Pan American, uh, right? Pan American. Why am I suddenly blanking? Pan Am. Yeah. Pan Am. Thank Pan you. Am to its I knew friends. that. Yeah, I knew one that, trip. I knew that wasn't working as a phrase. Uh, they basically had uh, a monopoly because they had bought this senator. Um, uh, so they had a legal monopoly, or you know, at least uh, having the political process uh, block out all they the competition. They got to write the bill for this uh, civil aeronautics board. You know everything that is happening in our political system now. That's <laughs> that. bullshit. Yeah, that. That. Yeah. It was that. It was that. Okay. It was yeah. that, but more unusual. It was that. At the time. Yes, but yes. Alan Alda. Yes, exactly. America. Yeah. Um, and Howard Hughes is basically just trying to to block it. Now, part of part of what is happening is actually a similar thing that happened in the movie industry way back when. Uh, the uh, the governments basically came in and said, you know what, it's it's a violation of antitrust laws. It's too much of a monopoly to have companies that both build airplanes and run airlines. The same way it used to be that movie studios both made movies and then distributed them in movie theaters. Did those both kind of get busted up in parallel? No, the movie theater one came. That was before. way earlier. Right? That was yeah, in the forties and fifties. Yeah. yeah. 
But actually, like... Because we had I the think, resources to make movies, we didn't have the resources to make airplanes during the war? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of rules got suspended during the war. Yeah, the like, war is like, whatever, just do, do, do whatever, just give us just the shit it. to fight the Nazis, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an antitrust thing that says, okay, uh, one company cannot both build the airplane and uh, run the airline, because that's, you know, a violation of competition. Uh, Howard Hughes uh, was doing both. He had a Hughes aircraft company, but he also ran But they weren't uh, both owned TWA. by the same thing, right? They weren't, they they weren't, weren't, they weren't, they were they both, both owned by him, but they weren't both the same company. They weren't the same company, but he was running both. And is this that, is, this is, is that when he did the crazy thing where he like sold Hughes aircraft to a medical institute that he had founded? Yes. Yeah. So he, so, okay. So they were different companies, but he was still running them. And this is back in the day where antitrust laws actually still had teeth in them. Mm. So the government still went, um, no, we're calling bullshit on that. Howard, you can't actually run both. Uh, so he, yeah. So he, he's like, I hate the government and I hate taxes. So what if I yeah, well, create the it, Hughes Medical Institute? Exactly. So he created the Howard Hughes Medical Foundation, I think it is. And all of... <laughs> for the jacking it to the government thereof. <laughs> yeah. And... And, and Lama Institute. sold Hughes Aircraft to them? He, I, I forget the exact... Exactly how it worked. Yeah. But basically, all of the money that that aircraft company made went to fund this medical nonprofit. But then basically. the medical nonprofit also got taxpayer money? I don't... Uh, that As far as that goes, I don't know. But yeah, it, it starts... All, all of the operating costs ended up getting like tax rebates. So like the government was <laughs> so paying So Howard for, took money yeah, from the government. To hide money from the government. To hide money from the government. <laughs> what a fucking baller, man. What a baller. <laughs> but it was for the children, uh, you know? Yeah, but all of that starts from this antitrust thing, which also has these political motivations, which is what the movie is focusing on, how... Alec Baldwin's character has Alan Alda's character kind of in his pocket. And uh, at, the, uh, at the same time, which the movie then goes into, which we'll go into later, uh, at the same time, the government, or at least the Senate, is going after Howard for war profiteering because they gave him contracts to build the Spruce Goose, the Hercules, and then the, the XF-11, which is the one he crashed into Beverly Hills. Um, but neither of those planes ever were actually ready and in production when the war was happening. But as at the point that he makes that there's also seven hundred and fifty million other dollars worth of Yeah, exactly. Unsubstantiated. So, yeah. so so the government was going after him for not like, you know, fulfilling those contracts and for stealing the money was the claim they were making. Yeah. Uh, but that but, wasn't really valid. But that's not that was not what was happening. They threw money at all the contractors yeah. during the war and, and didn't get a lot of shit delivered. Yeah, exactly. And they just happened to scapegoat him for it. Yeah. And they well they they tried to scapegoat scapegoat him for political reasons. But yeah. so and then American this, industry was fine for about fifteen years. Is this yeah. is this shot on a video camera? Uh, I don't think so. It's Probably way too not. crisp to be like actual film. Shot on video. Yeah. yeah. It, it could just be crisp. I mean it it could just be a totally different stock. No, it looks way too much. It like, looked very not great. Like, look at that background. Look at the way yeah. that that's, that's clipping. Yeah. That's video clipping. You're right. Totally right. You sold, oh. me, with the, you sold me with the, with the brightness, yes, sir. You blinded me with clipping. And so here is his famous um, movie theater. Uh, you blinded me with brightness. Uh, that's how it usually works. Retreat, shall we say. He basically locked himself in a movie theater for four months and watched movies. That's not a... Like, this is where it starts getting a little bit more... Um, yeah lyrical yeah it actually becomes like an abstract sort of art film for a while he he did like stop it's, wearing clothes for like showing up for like three or there was for like the last 20 years he did years not of his leave life, this movie theater it wasn't for about four months really did that not really happen yeah he didn't leave for months and months that's okay. what i read yeah like meals brought that's hence the pee bottles but and like shit. The, well the pee yeah. bottles didn't happen until after the he won a pee bottle award he won a pee bottle award he won all the pee bottle awards that was more of like a vegas kind of thing 
but it's it makes really good. They are conflating. Kind of they, I think sense. they are conflating parts of his sort of, yeah, which for, is totally shadowing the Vegas yeah, yeah. era. Like Therefore, like it's perfectly reasonable to do that because they're trying to get his entire life into this movie, and it's essentially like what happens. Like it's this story of like the close of his public life, like has this has all of these things kind of roped into it. Like the really long memos about like milk with his right hand and bottles with the left hand, forty five degree angle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like there's a famous like Kleenex memo, right, that he wrote to his whole company. Yeah, about the paddles. Where you need a certain number of paddles to do everything. Paddles? That's what he called. Oh, the, of, the actual yeah. tissues. Like the actual layers yeah, of yeah, tissues. Yeah. Uh, there's a film like OCD is terrifying, man. Yeah, it's really. It is. OCD is up there with like Alzheimer's for me, where it's just that sounds like something that. I wouldn't even know how to begin to deal with, like, finding out that I had that sort of thing. I guess OCD doesn't really degenerate the way that Alzheimer's does, but just a bad case of OCD is just as bad for me as any of the horrors that come with, like, losing parts of yourself to any other mental illness. It's just like, shit, that's an impossible... Compulsive (laughs) disorders of any kind are just uncomfortable to know that they exist. It's so sad. It's so horrible. But the, enough of your faculties are still there to be able to be present through it and to... Mm. There's still a chance to get your life to the to a point where it can be mitigated to the point where you can live a like, fairly reasonably normal life, but with an illness as opposed to at the time where it was completely... Yeah. Which was not diagnosable. Like It wasn't a thing that anybody knew anybody could have back then. So he was just... He just suffered. Yeah. Howard Hughes was diagnosed with crazy... And, yeah. and good luck, buddy, and a pat on the ass. All the crazy. That, that's the other thing. If Howard Hughes had been born a little bit later, we would have had a better handle on some of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And he would have been but, much better off, most likely. But we wouldn't have had was that more of like a slow? Tits. Was that a slow roll kind of into understanding this stuff? Or was there like a couple breakthroughs I mean, uh, our understanding there, of mental issues? Sort of. I mean, we still don't understand them. We can just describe them better. It's just taxonomy's improving much faster than like what we can actually say for real about why it happens is. Uh, was there like yeah. a watershed for the professional recognition of this stuff or was it just kind of... DSM-5, I think, is when we started going like, no, for real though, this is a that and that's a that. DSM-5 was like last year. Yeah. Oh, then four, then four. Whichever one came out like 1988, 90-ish. Um, but right. Like, it's only I don't DSM- know. You'd have to ask Chloe. She's, she's the one who would really know. But my understanding is that we're... St- we're just getting more discerning with our euphemisms and we can describe more different flavors of the same, you know, 200 different mental disorders. We, yeah, can just, just, we just give them individual terms I'm just curious if it's now. the sort of thing where, like, we can do brain scans now and we can see that there's more chemicals happening oh. this, in this brain than For in some this things. brain. I don't, know, I don't know where, like, a, a spectr- like a disorder like this would fall on that kind of thing. I don't know if this is the sort of thing you can see. There I, are, there it are, is. There it are, absolutely is. Like, you can, you can yeah. see the, in, in, in you can, but I, I, But I think that part, I think, I think Teague's right in the way he's saying it when he says, like, only really... Up until very, very recently, only we've only improved in our ability to describe and sort of categorize what's going mm-hmm. on. And we're only now really starting to, to actually attack the problem of how do we yeah. deal with Treatment it. Treatment-wise, we haven't gotten much further than, well, stop doing that. Yeah. But, you know, so we're we'll working just, on that. Just suck it up, weirdo. <laughs> yeah, she's walk it off. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. There's all, yeah, there's all sorts of, like, cognitive behavioral therapy and other, like, yeah. mindfulness practices and other stuff that a lot of people get to use. There is, people there use is. this time in practice to kind of help deal with obsessive compulsions well and like the strategic use of ssris or at least the quote-unquote strategic use where you know you previously it was like lithium and ect good luck buddy yeah, yeah. like my, my grandmother just kind of got that cocktail my grandmother like, uh, died sh- shortly after getting ect therapy for the who knows how many at the time like yeah it's it's hardcore shit and she died in it would have been like 61 62 she died in 61 grandmother died in 1961 maybe 
Yeah. Oh no, it would have been like seventy-one. Yeah. My 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 mom was like fourteen or fifteen. She was young. So yeah. However, however good we get at uh, at that, there's still that wouldn't have necessarily mitigated the problem here, which is unfortunately he's rich as shit. Yeah. Um, because if you know, yeah, he can design his own like yeah mausoleum. But, I mean, like, and and to and to find a modern analog of well, if you're rich as shit, you can be way crazy, and people will let you keep doing it. Michael Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. He, yeah, yeah he, um, like so, he was designed an asylum for himself in which he was the only patient. Yeah, but he also yeah he was also in charge of it. So so it was. I feel like there should be a parable about that. Hmm. Like an inmate running his own asylum. I don't know yes. where. I don't know what, what it would ever be useful for. That but would have to be. It does seem expression. like poetically useful somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly he's Brad Pitt. That's weird. <laughs> it's weird. There's there's times and it happens a lot to me where like Leo DiCaprio will often just for a second look like Ryan Weber in my face. Like just <laughs> something about his face shape looks like Ryan every now and then, or vice versa. And uh, I think it's more than every now and then. I think they look a lot alike. A, a lot. lot. Alike. Yeah. 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 Depending on what he's doing with his facial hair. Like for instance, right now, that's he looks like Ryan Weaver on the top half and Ben Kenobi on the bottom, <laughs> and Anakin Skywalker from the neck down. Yeah. Oh. Should this could this be Ryan for Halloween next year? Just uh, we'll just, just, get, just, him, just get, get him the chair. A nice big like like a liquid <laughs> latex six, gash on his shoulder. Six bottles of milk <laughs> and one bottle of pee. <laughs> or the other way around. It's, it's up to you. Yeah, but I don't know about the OCD stuff. I mean, I don't I don't even know what we do about OCD now, except for like I said, like better it's like cbt like, and like yeah i mean basically better i think it's just ssri treatments and shit just antipsychotics and like good luck we don't know if this is going to fix you it's fixed people with ocd before kind of there's a little um you deserve to try here I, you go I, there's, there's actually on the on the blu-ray there's a featurette about living with obsessive compulsive <laughs> disorder <laughs> i, th- I thought i thought you were going to say there's a featurette about making these urine bottles because oh, no. i am so impressed that the fact that there are subtly different shades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's okay. Somebody said, well, they can't be exactly the same color. And that person, I hope, shared in whatever Oscars this movie might have got. <laughs> because that, my friends. Design. No, there's a there's a little video about like how Leo went and talked to a bunch of people at the UCLA Medical Center that work with um work with people with obsessive compulsive disorder and he met and hung out with a couple of patients and they're on the video just talking about like well this is how i kind of deal with it now this is how we live with this today Mm -hmm. and it's everything that howard hughes exhibited was very consistent yeah no like he's he is textbook ocd yeah um like banner ocd not one of the weird this is kind of ocd but kind of not diseases that we're now discriminating like making distinctions about he's he's got basically every sort of symptom of ocd that you could find in a book about ocd he's yeah, he displays so all of like it. here's like a textbook like he understands what he's what is happening yeah. what he's doing right i mean we've gotten we've gotten this we're actually better off with like neurological shit right now we're, we're getting better at figuring out what you can do if you have parkinson's and things like that the just compulsive disorder stuff that's all in your brain i don't know you know it seems a lot more sort well, of we're it, still we're still guessing it is more esoteric. have you seen the uh they can away. do that um like the deep terrain, like a stimulation yeah, thing. It's for it's for Parkinson's, right? Where they, they basically implanted a little electrical device inside your brain, and there, there's video on on YouTube of this guy who had had it implanted, and, and he turns it off to show you yeah, how fast he goes back to Parkinson's. About when it's on, he's perfectly normal. He's like, yeah, I've parked, but I did this procedure, and it's in here, and I I can turn it off. I here's the control right here. The switch. And, 
<laughs> no, it's a little handheld switch thing. But he turns it off. <laughs> oh, not like a big iron giant powers. <laughs> <Ooh. Ka-chunk>. uh, <laughs> but he but he turns it off and he basically instantly has right. Parkinson's and then he turns it back on. Now it's not. It, it is way not correct that people with Parkinson's shake. I can give you the the more. Or I'm sorry, the less incorrect, but still incorrect understanding of what Parkinson's is more. It's more that you can't stop yourself very well. Uh, it's not, or it's not that you can't like stop yourself from shaking. It's that when you move, you 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 can't predict where your hand's going to go, so you let it go too far. But then you overcorrect, and you can't stop this. It's a constant thing of trying to overcorrect back and forth, where there's a like a latency between you telling your hand to stop and your hand stopping that normal humans have goes away when you have Parkinson's, and it's hard for you to readjust. Like when you're an infant, you learn. When I move my hand, I'll, I'll accidentally hit myself in the face, so I guess I moved it too hard there, and you kind of get a sense of how fast your hand hears what your brain tells it to do. Parkinson's is that number changing, and it's hard to recalibrate it, and it's impossible to like start controlling yourself. So instead of, like, I can't stop my hand from shaking, it's that every time I move my hand over here, I go too far, so I try to pull it back a little bit, but it's not nah, too much, and it's that kind of a thing. Physiognomy? 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 Physiognomy. The thing where like your brain knows where your body is even when your eyes are closed. Oh, proprioception. Uh, proprioception. Yeah. And bear in mind, like what I just said is only less incorrect about Parkinson's, but it's closer that it's not that you're just you're compelled to shake. It's that you can't stop yourself from you can't just the stand still. The timing is off in your yeah. brain. Yeah. It's the same thing where like you have a speech jammer, so it just gives you you the same thing you're saying back into your ear with like a sixty or eighty millisecond latency, and it just you can't talk. It's freaking you out to hear it. It's that for your movements, kind of better than you know better than you're compelled to shake, which it isn't at all. It just looks like that. Same thing with Tourette's. People have been like, I think Looney Tunes did more disservice for what Tourette's really is than anything. And yeah, another thing this movie doesn't even touch on at all is um, the very towards the end of Howard's life when he was uh, cooped up in his uh, Las Vegas suite. Uh, there was this guy who decided to write an autobiography. Oh, claim right. It, claim it was authorized oh, yeah. of Howard Hughes. And that was really my first awareness of Howard Hughes yeah. at the time. Yeah. Because uh, Howard Hughes had been, you know, at Recluse for years at that point, and this guy went, "I bet I can write a book about him. Claim it's an authorized biography, and Howard Hughes will never come yeah. out and challenge." He's him. basically daring Howard Hughes to come out of his weird Citizen Kane mode. Yeah, <laughs> just come at me, bro. Tell yeah. me it's wrong. Yeah, betting and, that he would never do that, and almost got away with it. And the last like recorded uh, recording of any kind that we have of Howard Hughes is him giving uh, a. A testimony by phone, phone a yeah. conference call. It's like a, yeah, uh, it's to a press panel. conference it's over phone. Press, it's a press conference over phone, and there's like a little panel of, of people there asking me questions. A handful of uh, journalists that had known him and had worked with him for years yeah. when he was still a public figure. Yeah, and so just to verify that it was that that was him, so people would know his voice, oh, and know oh, his okay. mannerisms, yeah. and know who yeah. he is because they had worked with him for years. Uh, yeah, and so it, that's the last you know recording you know by phone of. It's Howard him Hughes telling going, a, a novelist to go pound sand. That's not my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, he made it up. Which, and then that whole episode then became a movie of its own with Richard Gere in it called The Hoax, I think. Where Gere yes. played Howard Hughes? No, no played Gere the played the, the journalist. Oh. The, yeah. The, the Does Howard Hughes only appear in that movie yeah. like as sound? Yeah. Uh, there's, also, there's also a popular, it was popular at the time kind of culty now, a movie from the 80s called Melvin and Howard, which is how Howard Hughes actually goes on a little sabbatical and just kind of goes out and kind of hitchhikes around for a while during that phase. And Melvin is just like this average dude who picks him up. So it's all about... Oh, no. He was the guy that was uh, referenced in his will, right? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, that was the movie that they ended up making. Yeah, there was a guy who mysteriously, this nobody was referenced in Howard Hughes' will. Yeah, because there was a point in his life when he was 
doing like total like fugue state stuff where he would just disappear for weeks, like when right. he was still in public. And uh, this guy who was referenced in the will, the, the everyone like, like his, his, his will is like Louis B. Mayer, Jack Valenti. Yeah, he was referenced. Who the fuck a, is that guy yeah, though? Melvin, he was referenced Melvin in a clearly, Dumar, clearly Melvin Dumar, forged, I think was his name. Clearly forged will. Like this was not a real will. Like oh, he was spelling yeah. stuff wrong, like crazy. Like Calvin wrote it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Backwards R's and shit. Yeah, real yeah. will by. But he would go off in another another episode. This movie doesn't talk about it at all. There's there's a point before he started TWA where he just disappeared, uh, and they found him like a couple months later working as like a baggage handler for an airline in Texas somewhere. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Really? S- yeah. I swear to God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that's based crazy. on what I saw. So since they cut his first wife out of this movie completely, they couldn't really do um the oh, they, wow. they couldn't there's a bunch of other stuff that happened with his uh first wife where they were trying to get a divorce so but they couldn't get a divorce fast enough in california they found out that if you wanted to get a divorce in nevada you only had to be a resident for six weeks so howard hughes it's faster to move to nevada and wait howard, six weeks right so that's, howard that's hughes how you would do it yeah. howard hughes and his wife moved like pretended to be brother and sister and moved to a farm in Nevada where they worked on the farm for a month and a half, living in a shack, waiting for the six weeks to run out so they could get their marriage. And he <laughs> so married. They could get their divorce put through in he, time. He married one of his wives in a hotel room in Vegas, dressed under it. pseudonyms. Under that's pseudonyms. That's the only city, or is the, is the, uh, only, one of the only states around there where you could do that. Uh, dressed as like lumberjacks or something, right? <laughs> you see this one? I watched this documentary. <laughs> How'd this guy this? get all this done in one I feel lifetime? Like now, <laughs> I, know, I feel like right? right now we're describing like the shitty season five of a show yeah. that was good for a yeah. second. Oh, Hughes, the first three seasons is awesome. But then <laughs> but it, they, cut, they cut his cousin Oliver out of the end And of then the it movie. just got weird <laughs> after that. Just really weird. <laughs> no, but then um, they eventually found out that the uh, living on a... <laughs> Living in a shack on a farm in Nevada as farmhands doesn't really count as residency oh, because they man. because they accidentally that like sucks because they they would only fall under like some migrant <laughs> worker status or something. Oh golly! <laughs> what? I Hughes, billionaire industrialist, movie mogul, yeah, migrant farmer. Spent six weeks as a migrant farm worker for nothing, <laughs> for no good reason, as it turned out. Well, like no fault divorce didn't exist in all states until no, like, no, thirty years ago. That was that's the reason. I mean, that's Vegas was the place if you. Women would go to women usually would go to Nevada. You know, I got to go to Nevada for six weeks because you could file for divorce there. Going because I don't fucking like that guy anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Nevada would allow, and you know, any other states you would have to go. Well, does he beat you? Yeah. Was there some not plan, a like, lot? Was there well, a, then you can't divorce him. Yeah. I mean, well, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nevada would give you would grant you a divorce if you didn't want to be married, even anymore. if there wasn't some sort of a calamity. Yeah. It's pretty much where the you know. The cliche of irreconcilable differences comes from is that phrase when you can go, okay, right, of course, irreconcilable. Just means I don't want to be married to this person anymore. I don't have to be specific, do I? No, you really don't. Just call it irreconcilable differences. It's really hilarious the more you think about it in retrospect and and like the weird changes we culturally just sort of foist onto marriage. And every single time it happens, there's probably a conversation about how that's not what marriage is. And the more you think about it, it's like, why the fuck is the government involved in marriage at all? Yeah. It's weird. Like the, the government was like, all right, well, you can get married for whatever reason you want and we'll, we'll say that's okay. But we're not going to say you can get divorced. It's just weird. This, every weird incremental change we have to make and what the government can do about marriage just makes me think, 
just more and more. It's, it's crazy that it became a part of the government in the first place. It's, it's always been an economic construct, so it's, of course it's yeah. going to be. It's a, an econ- but it's, it's like regulated, it's a, yes, but like just this the, the weird. Uh, I'd say whatever. It's an economic contract, yeah, but it's, 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 it's also a, you know, it is a government or it is the central authority or whatever you want, however you want to call it. Well, they're, they're deciding and arbitrating what it wants the cultural values to be. And it's like, well, we want the cultural value of it has to be a man and a woman. And now right. we're changing or whatever it is. Well, they're also like, like I, I, the it's, the same, it's the same thing with um, with home ownership. Like like we talked about on the margin call episode. It you know, there was a very conscious decision on the part of the government and, you know, those people to say, we want America to be about people owning homes, so we will set up the system in such a way to encourage that. Yeah, and it's this—it's the same with marriage. Well, it's, but now that, it's that, actually what I, what the cultural shift that's fa- most fascinating to me right now is the cultural shift away from going to college, which I think is actually a great thing. Yeah, is, extremely, is the, extremely good. The idea I mean, of everyone will go to college, and then there's this whole movement. It's like not everyone needs to go to college. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what sort of life you want to have and what you want to do and what sort of career. And Mike Rowe is very big. Yeah, in the. Yeah. In the don't go to college if you don't need to go to college. Yeah. Go to work instead. That's better for everyone. And I, I just, it's funny because having come out of the go to college, so goddammit, boom, boom, boom. We just missed a really great filmmaking moment yeah. where after um, having Ava come and try to help him out of his, uh, out of his funk. Shave off his neckbeard. Yeah, shave yeah. off his neckbeard and kind of wash him and clean him and get him back. They did the same. Shave off his neckbeard so he can wear a fedora like a classy guy. <laughs> yeah. But then you have the same sort of lighting cues that you have in the very first shot of the movie where. Yeah, it's, it's totally calling back to the mom. Where baby yeah. Hughes is being dealt with by his mother and being. But she, but I love that Ava, Ava does the flip where she's getting. Exactly. He goes, she's, is that clean? She goes, nothing's clean. Get nothing, over it. Nothing is clean. Suck it up and it. deal. Let's come, let's come back. Gotta go do this. We do our best, right? And again, it's like, oh, I would like to be someone. Being crazy would be okay if Ava Gardner would come shave me once in a while. I think again, that's there are trade offs in life, and if I had to make one, I will be whatever kind of crazy you need me to be to get Kate Beckinsale to, to come shave to come me. shave me. I, I'm I again shave I, me. It depends shave on what kind of me. it depends on what kind of shave life you want and what sort of career you see yourself having, <laughs> what path you want to go down. I'm just saying that I haven't ruled out the crazy but shaved by it's like picking your hmo oh i'll take the ava gardner comes and shaves me every six months that is the bronze package yeah (laughs) which is pretty thanks obama (laughs) (laughs) ava gardner hasn't come and shaved me in five months this is bullshit (laughs) did you get the it's patchy it's it's every every you could it she can but you have to pay for it otherwise it's only free once a year free market ava gardner shaving yeah Okay, sure, fine. <laughs> the hell. <laughs> Privatized healthcare, socialized Ava Gardner. Whatever. Yeah. Did we lose a war? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon we're all going to be speaking Martian. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the scene You can with, find all this stuff on YouTube yeah, right now. This is one of the, probably the most, one of the most well-known public appearances of Howard Hughes and 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 was part of very much part of the the uh, Spruce Goose presentation because this part is, you know, the heroic part where he's like, I you know, I just uh, hey, you you ended your damn war before I was ready with my plane. It's a, it's a big plane. Come on, and I'll just leave this country and never come back if it doesn't fly. Cut to Long Beach Harbor. Ha ha! Fuck you, government. Yeah. Ho ho. So this this moment, like you said, yeah. I mean, I I have a pretty. I haven't seen it in thirty years, and I have a pretty good mental picture of what this press conference looks like because I had to like stand there. A lot, and and listen to this uh, movie clip. Leonardo DiCaprio is very good. 
Like in, in my head. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. No, I know. I know. But in my head, he's not still, best actor. Good. He's still like Brad Pitt has just recently started moving out of this where I've known they're good actors for years and years, decades. But they're still like in my head as the default, hugely famous, easy go to a list person, less actor. And they're they're very, very good. Like they they're not. I mean, these guys are like character actors. Have you seen the assassination? They're just really good-looking character James actors. By the coward Robert Ford recently. Yeah. Uh, I saw it a couple years ago. Uh, I'd watch it again because I saw the first five or six hours of it. It gets yeah. It's, <laughs> no, I saw the whole thing. Uh, it gets better. It's only four hours. It, it's, it. it's only four hours. Especially when you watch it with an eye to the idea that it's a meditation on fame, and that you have Brad Pitt playing oh, yeah. a character that's dealing with fame and the fallout of fame and trying to live a normal life when you're a fifty-year-old man who's been Doing right. that their entire life, you get to bring a lot of really interesting yeah. things to that role. You that's sure a, do. That's a, that's a few years old now at this point, right? Oh, yeah. That's like yeah, 2008, I think. 2008? I think it's older than that. Yeah, yeah it would have to be... It was before 2008. Oh, it was before... Yeah, it had to be. I was... Yeah. Um, 2006, I think it came out. It sounds and then right. Warner's buried it, like, immediately. Not deep enough. I just want to watch this movie. <laughs> this the, movie, The Aviator. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't rewatch it. This is the I've only time, bunch of times in like the podcast watched. history that you're gonna finish the commentary and be like, "I'm in the mood to watch this movie." Now right I want to watch. Yeah, this yeah. Movie. yeah As really. opposed After to, I, I'm, I'm watching I'm that good. movie. Usually, you know what it's I feel like, like doing. I'm good. I never need to see that again. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like uh, I want to watch this now. Yeah. When I first saw this, I watched it like four times in the first two days. Yeah, I had it's it. Great. It's watchable as shit. This is uh, yeah. It's Tucker the Man in His Dream with uh, you know more crazy. That's a hell of a movie too. Yeah. I haven't seen Tucker in a while. Jeff Bridges, right? Baby Jeff Bridges. Yep. Like Tron era Jeff Bridges. Well, late, later than that, 80s, 80s, 90s even. But um, is, is that Coppola? Who directed that? Coppola. Holy shit. How did I know that? I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, you are. Yeah, so he's, got the, he's doing the same posture as Hughes in the real clip. Oh, he's, so like, he's, he's totally got, killing They've it. got the hairstyle totally nailed and the, and the mustache and everything. And, and yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's one of the most documented ones. So if you want to say it exactly like he said it, it's the idea. Yeah, we all know how it sounded. Well, it's hilarious. I mean, there's recently I don't know when or how this came to be, but there's footage of Tom Hanks and like Robert Wright Penn at the time doing like screen tests for Forrest Gump stuff. And you know, Hanks clearly already has the role. They're auditioning other people against him, but he hasn't met the little boy that plays young Forrest. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's a great the plan. whole Forrest Gump accent is him mimicking the actor they got to play him because the little kid version of Forrest had a very strong accent. So Tom's like, I guess I have to match what that kid is doing, otherwise the fuck am i doing here and now you can see these videos where they didn't find that little kid yet and he's doing scenes as forrest gump without the accent and it's the weirdest uncanny valley shit <laughs> you've ever seen in your life which reminds me rather of our lord jesus <laughs> of course one in, of, in terms of copying an accent one of my ambitions in life is to deliver a rhetorical smackdown of uh, to a senator in public <laughs> yeah yeah sure <laughs> I, on a, in a senate hearing sure that's one possibility sure. but just like so completely turn it around on somebody who's going after you yeah and just on every conceivable level of like logic and rhetoric yeah. and emotion and just that would be uh have all every conceivable level of you know uh for, performance for people like us up. that's that's like the equivalent of the touchdown and the in the winning game it's yeah. like yeah you know what i want to do i want to destroy someone on cross that's what <laughs> exactly. i want to do exactly that's exactly <laughs> what i want you want to what now is that like spiking a football? And it's kind of like that, but with words. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I did mock trial in high school, and I had <laughs> I had a taste of that moment once. 
I destroyed somebody on cross this one time and I still, I can still taste it. Uh, is that like a hip way of saying like cross-examination? What do you mean? Yes. On yeah, cross. cross-examination. Yeah, I've never heard that. That's, that sounds it's, way cooler. It's, it's, law, a, it's lawyer shorthand. Yeah. It's a, it's in the Northeast. There's this like crazy culture of forensics. Yes. Stuff, right. Huh? Yeah, and forensics. forensics. Just forensics. Oh. Yeah, I, I, did, I did forensics yeah, in high school. It's great. Because that's I what you were doing, right? in high school. Well, no, mock trial. Mock trial and debate, it's all sort of forensics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, uh, same shit. My, it, moot court, mock trial, yeah. I, forensics, yeah. But it, we didn't really use forensics as a term for that, yeah. I didn't know you could. I thought forensics was Latin for goo. <laughs> I yeah, it's funny that I thought even at the time that forensics was, you know, wait, you mean like... That's something to do with semen and rib Medical cage, right? examinations? What are yeah. you talking about? Like, you know, we're going to cut off Copan bodies because I'm kind of into that. But uh, no, it, it That's meant... That's when you it find was, Schmegma on the lamppost, it, right? It was, debate was separate, but forensics was like reader's theater and spoken this and that and poetry and, and, and vocal performance, but not acting, acting, but... You know, it was just it was one whatever we did was called forensics, and it was actually we would have competitions with other high schools and and so on. And it was that's what I would do on the weekends is I would have forensics being I was on the forensics. It wasn't even a team at my high school; didn't have that much. You know, it was a club. I'm trying to break down the etymology of forensics in my head, and I can't do it. Yeah, I don't know why it's called forensics. I it's, it the whole thing came full circle for me last year. I don't think anything came of it, but a guy from the East Coast wrote to me and asked for the transcript to Pink 5 because he thought it would make a great huh. forensics pre- presentation piece. And I said, I, if, you, if you, you have my blessing to do Pink, the script from Pink 5 as a forensics presentation, but you have <laughs> got to send me the tape of that. You've got to put that on YouTube for me. Look at that. So if you Google etymology forensics, it actually has a built-in little display thingy now. Holy shit. And it Look says forensics, origin, Latin, forum, to forensis, as in, in open court or public, to forensic. Forum, yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. So even though they're, the FOR is all it has in common with forum, but okay. forensis your, your is CSI in CSI forensic is the weird one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for, forensic is more Hey, about do you know where, uh, where testimony... Uh, pertain- okay, here we go. Pertaining to or suitable for courts of law. Then what the fuck is... C- so it just means that you're coming up with forensic evidence, which is evidence that is suitable oh, for Oh, forensic science is just, is just evidence gathering. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. that makes sense. But, but what about the semen on the lamppost? All right. Go on. I'm blown away by that. That's the guy that's in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I, just in a million years, I never would have put that together. It's the same guy. Also, funnily enough, in the, in the exhibit version of uh, this, this Bruce Goose, um, there, was a, there was a Howard Hughes mannequin at the controls. This kind of cheesy That's a Howard weird. Hughes. Yeah, you know, a, you'd go up there and he'd be there. Like, yeah, 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 okay. Just, <laughs> like weird. With, with the tissue boxes on his feet? No, it was again. Yeah. They, they, cellophane on the handles? They downplayed the whole... Um, and then he went completely crazy after that. So again, That's the, a um, pretty as-you-know moment right there, though. All right, Howard, she's got to hit mm-hmm. 70. That's the, the tension on the clock here is 70, guys. We're going to watch for 70. 70. 70. <laughs> Rick Moranis leans in. Everybody get that? <laughs> uh, the way that they lit this cockpit is awesome. I'm pretty sure. It's, Holy shit! Uh, that is a very large. Fuselage. I want that. Uh, it's like a rec room. Yeah, and that's the, that and goes that's, back there. And that's the cockpit. Feet. That's the top floor. Right. Oh uh, wow. Trey, what's it called when you have a giant um, painting of a thing that you light from behind? And it's, oh, uh, it's a translite. Translite. Oh. Yeah. So it feels like it's a very translite sort of set it from does. certain angles, from like the um, when they're head on. And you can see the reflections and stuff in their eyes. and uh, The way that everybody's lit is supernatural. Probably translate. Like these kinds of shots. Yeah. And so it's basically after the, the Spruce Goose test flight. So Beats by Dre. 
that he goes uh, into exile or hiding and never really comes out again? Um, no, because after yeah, because after this flu, then he kind of shut everybody up about the. Um, yeah, this is a pretty big visible drop the mic. Yeah. yeah, and then I'll show it, you a possible like plane. Shortly after was when he. They, then he started moving by, to by the seventies. He was he was like he had a controlling stake in the sands, and that was a big deal. And he started buying like all these weird properties for like mining. Oh, he got into mining for a while. Yeah, back into mining. <laughs> back into mining. Well, he his, he was never into mining. He was in the so, manufacture of mining, mining parts. tools. Yeah, yeah. So he was into tools. Trumpets. He was never into actual mining, which is why like so. Then when he went to Vegas, he didn't really know shit about gambling. So he had to get like gambling people on his side, and they yeah. sort of ripped him off. But whatever, he didn't care. Um. And that's when he got into mining and started oh, that's buying right, the Glomar Explorer. I always oh yeah, that episode. yeah yeah. So yeah, that's fun. And then after the mining, oh, and then he yeah yeah then he got involved in Watergate. He was a part of Watergate. That's right. Was I he? didn't even know that. <laughs> I should have looked at the fucking wiki page. That's I didn't know about the the Watergate thing. Yeah, Shortly before but, the nineteen sixty election, Nixon was harmed when it was revealed that Nixon's brother Donald received a two hundred thousand yeah, dollar loan. loan from Howard Hughes. Yeah. It's long been <laughs> speculated that Nixon's drive to learn what the Democrats were planning in seventy two was based in part on his belief. But the Democrats knew about a later bribe that his friend B.B. Rebozo had received from Hughes. So Nixon was paranoid about Hughes. In late 1971, Donald Nixon <laughs> was collecting intelligence for his brother in preparation for the upcoming <laughs> presidential election. Yeah, but the, the Glomar Explorer story is also great because so there was a... What is the Glomar Explorer? So Glomar oh, Explorer is, that's a, an amazing is, a, story. is a Navy ship. Uh, basically what happened is a Soviet uh, submarine sank and it had a couple of Soviet oh, you uh, don't nuclear say. missiles you don't say. on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the CIA wanted to go get it for intelligence purposes, but they needed a base. They needed a cover story like the CIA does. And so basically they went, well, we who is crazy enough and has enough money that would just like hire a ship to go do a crazy build thing. Build a ship. To build a ship to go do a crazy thing. And this thing. is before Paul Allen had that money. Yeah, yes. exactly. So they went to Howard Hughes and said, hey, can we use <laughs> you as a cover story? We have a really psychotic thing. He's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, you, remember, you know, I know we spent a decade just trying to ruin your life, but yeah. this is for America, so. Do you want to do something fucking insane and ill-advised, yeah. expensive and hard so for they, fun? They yes. built. They built this amazing, which I saw a few years back it still existed i don't know if it does now but uh this ungainly thing it looks like a floating oil derrick it's colossal it's a whole just scaffolding thing and it was to like, go out and mine magnesium nodules off the off yeah. the off the surface of the of the of the seafloor um and what it was really meant for was to go out and try and grab this entire soviet submarine and as float it up at once and lift it up to the surface huh because um, you could say magnesium because this was right after they had kind of tapped out a lot of the gold and silver deposits yeah. left in continental all america sort of, so all of the mining in, all the mining industries started tilting towards magnesium yeah. because that was an extremely valuable and pretty and like magnesium mineral came from that uh, devil in the dark star trek episode so it's kind of plausible <laughs> that was silicon i didn't know yeah. we had fucking nodules of magnesium <laughs> yeah. on the surface of the earth anywhere yeah so so anyway so it went out there and they they said now I, i'm i'm not entirely clear on it because i remember when then then later it was like actually was that not a thing to grab that uh, soviet sub Okay, kind of was, but <laughs> we it broke in half, and we only got the back half with nothing interesting, and and yeah. uh, and so on. And that was the story forever. And then later, I seem to recall that the story was no, we got the whole goddamn thing, <laughs> uh, including the you know the the code ciphers and the warheads and everything else. Um, at which point, when that finally came out, then somebody said, "Well, then did you get the bodies too?" Then and they were like, "Uh, yeah, there were a few." And they said, "Could we then have those back, please?" And we can. Then we kind of said, "Okay, I guess you can." Oh, um, the story that I read they is keep the bodies. Is that 
well, no, that they because they had to claim that they didn't have any. Like, right, well, because like clearly they would have gotten the bodies, been like, well, no, because it broke in half, and so oh, everybody, they all fell out. So that so, that oh, was the story. That is forever. crazy. But see, uh, see the part, I, I don't know about that last part though. I, but that's the, a lot of counter. But there was a flip. There was. A, I recall there being a. Actually, no, we got the whole thing. Um, we just didn't say that because after that it was blown. But anyway, but the whole thing was funded as a cover by Hughes, and you know, and by Hughes, like like Ryan was saying, is like there was all like the Hughes. It was part of that Hughes mining effort. Was this is there weird a- thing called the Glomar Explorer, which then it only existed to do that one thing, and then it just sat there, and it was in Long Beach Harbor again, or it was in some way. I, I went, but I went by it. I rode a boat past it. I remember at one point in my life, and they said that's the Glomar Explorer. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch, it sure is. Is there an antonym for impossibly far fetched? <laughs> Because the more I hear about Howard Hughes, the more I think the Rocketeer is whatever that word is. It's not far-fetched. Yeah. It's, it's insane that that didn't happen, it, and I'm not quite sure I believe yes. that it did. Basically, if you compare Rocketeer to Howard Hughes' life, Rocketeer suffers from a failure of imagination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, that's the sad truth. Uh, you, that's it? That's all you came up with? Guy with kind of a crazy face and a Zeppelin. And a Zeppelin. That's it. A that's Zeppelin. your movie. Okay, cool. That's what you have. No, that's fine. Yeah. Sure. Okay. He didn't. Uh, he's not. Okay. Oh, I see. She's gonna be a movie star someday, and he's boning her. Okay. I mean, I I can see sure. where. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, but, I guess so. Well, in real but, life, it's just all of the movie stars. I just want to bounce this off you. What if he bones all the movie stars right. already? How about that? What? <laughs> what if he is like the Hollywood Tillicum? Yeah. Er- <laughs> <laughs> the ones he doesn't bone, he eats them. Yeah. Oh. And now, just two generations later, nobody's not his son. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. There's also and everyone's crazy. Especially with, with that stuff. There's, there's also a lot of, especially after he get he's in charge of certain uh, studios and stuff. There's a lot of really creepy shit about how he was just using the studios kind of contract pool of starlets and such, just kind of as a personal harem. And is he from shocking. whence the, the the casting couch thing comes? No, well, so that, this is, that this is before casting couch. Multiple that's, people, I'm that's sure. yeah. He, he's not that much of an innovator. Look at that 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 room in that fuselage. I've never lived in a house that big. Has a press corps <laughs> yeah. on one half. Yeah, I've never I've never owned a house. You part of the East Wing press corps? No, space. I'm part of the West Wing press corps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could be entire walking talks. Oh, literal wing. Fucking plane. The West I'll, Wing. I'll the West wing. wing. No, I'll see you in the commentary. Well, until we come back home, then it'll be the East Wing. But your chairs be in the same place. No, I don't believe in real life. The Hercules got that high in the air. Not quite that high. It's it, not this that high. high. That, about that high. Yeah, yeah there was. It sort of. There was it's a shot like, that sort of implied like three it was miles and back, right? Yeah, but just but just off the surface, just to go look. It's not touching the water. Okay. And well, and I think are there estimates for like if they had kept going at that insane rate, it eventually would have been fine to fly it. It was the only reasonable test flight of his entire fucking career. Yeah. <laughs> well. I don't. I don't know this for sure, but I, based on what I remember, I think you could make an argument that it didn't actually. How did they park it there? Didn't actually get mm-hmm. high enough to uh, get count away as from a flight. That's count as a flight. Yeah, because because basically, when an aircraft gets low enough to the ground, there's a thing called the ground effect, which is basically traffic the, laws. You're, no, you're pushing. Yeah. You're pushing against the surface. Yeah, yeah. It, the, it, and that's kind of a. If you were to say that to a real aerospace engineer, they go, "That's not what it is at all." Yeah. But the simplest way to understand for it layman. is. For a layman, the simplest way to understand it is you get close enough to the ground and you're pushing the air that you're pushing down. You're an air hockey down puck for a second. Is pushing back up and kind of buffeting you. Uh, yeah. So you could make it. You could make the argument that the, uh, the the spruce goose never got high enough to actually be you know flying under its own power away from ground effect. You're saying it's more a hovercraft, really? It's well, okay. That's so, more impressive, Brian. 
it's <laughs> it's actually kind of a cool idea. And when you talk about people doing crazy things with airplanes, there's certainly a lot of stories out there. One, a torpedo can't hit you if you're just above, just above yeah. water. <laughs> well, one of the <laughs> but an axe can. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. Thwop. Yeah, just uh, a guy with fly swatter on a yeah. submarine could take you down. Sploosh. Um, oh shit! Slingshots. The uh, <laughs> catapults. The Russians have done all sorts of crazy ass things with airplanes, and one of the things they did is built what's like halfway between a boat and an airplane. So it's not <laughs> it's not a plane that's designed to ever actually fly in the sense that we think of as flying, but it's designed to basically take advantage of ground effect and stay in that ground effect uh, oh, okay. buffer. Well, there's to, a to reduce the drag sure. of what a what a boat what a ship would deal with. Well, for a while there, like when we lived in it's Arkansas, called a, uh, it's called a, a cranoplane. If you want to look it up, when we lived in Arkansas, we had a boat for a second. We decided to get a small house and have a boat because that sounded like fun. And it was it wasn't like a speed boat, but it wasn't a pontoon boat either. It was what they called a deck boat, which sort of a half and half. So it's fast enough that you can do skis and you can do a tube, you can do whatever. But it's also just like a big. There's biminis on it, and you just sort of hang out. It's a it's a get drunk in the cove kind of boat, right? Now we at that time got a subscription to a magazine called Overton's, which sells... Uh, Trey would know Overton's, I'm assuming. It's, it's, they sell, like, boat shit, like radars and things. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those magazines that sells a bunch of stuff. But in the back of Overton's, they would always have, like, laser vision goggles. No. In the back of Overton's, <laughs> they would always have, like, the weird, crazy shit that... They don't have competitions for this at the X Games yet, but they're going to be a water sport in 10 years kind of toys. Where it's like, the fuck is that thing? And that's, like, where you would see... About 10 years before YouTube, that's where you would see shit like that water jetpack. So right. that's where they, uh, that's the people who would buy that are the people who have boats and have the catalog for what kind of new depth thingy do I want for my boat? Oh, hey, look at that. They have water jet packs. I'll take two. One of these things was along those same lines. And it's this crazy. It's a, one big fat water ski with a seat on it and coming out of the bottom of the water ski. So you'd be sitting on it basically like if this if the water ski is like four times wider than it should be, but it's it's narrower than a sled. It's just a very wide ski with a seat on it. And you'd sit on that. Facing straight forward, getting tugged, holding onto like a like a rope, like you would. Under the surface of that little sled part is a stick that just goes down, like a like a metal stick that's like eight feet tall, or I guess deep, and it goes under the water about eight feet, and it's got wings on the very bottom of it. So it's like a stick that goes down underwater eight feet, and then there's like a little planer wing at yeah, the bottom. So of I've it. seen these. And if you're holding, and if you start, you know, you start the same way with like water skis and like that. But once you get up to a certain speed, when you lean back. You are tilting up the wings and you get water lift and it pushes you off of the surface of the water. So you're basically standing on this impossible stick eight feet off the surface of the water getting tugged at 50 miles an hour. And it's the coolest thing you've ever seen in your fucking life. (laughs) And you can do these, like you can do, I've seen people do jumps where like you just lean back and you think they're going to go like, and they're off the ground. It's actually like elevator out and then they're just going to go pop. And there's this huge like lollipop and like a vertical lollipop with them on the top (laughs) of it. And you can like they they stay like eight feet above the water. It's this crazy thing where the only thing that's in touch with the water is a wing, eight foot below the actual thingy that it looks like you're supposed to be, you know, riding. Teague, I like it. It sounds like it's the way of the future. I was gonna say that sounds like the way of the future. The way of the future. It is the way of the future. 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 So I remember mostly when I would hear about this movie before I saw it because I didn't see it in theaters. I caught up to it on video later. That that people just kind of went. The ending just kind of left them kind of going what. Which you know I can get that. I mean it's it's like you know it's it's, it's great. And then at the end, right. you know if you if I, I think it obviously it helps to kind of know. Well, we all know what happened next, right? I mean, if you don't, then of course it's you, sort of it's sort of like now you know the rest yes. of the story. And then he went batshit, right? Yeah, and then yeah. Vegas, but you know that part. <laughs> um, what, what this needs is the weird Lincoln ending. Where it comes back. Yeah. Like, here's how he died, by the way. Credits. Yeah. I mean, okay, does, just yeah. in case you don't know. There's also the parts where he was like, so what else happened after the Vegas thing? He was like violently anti nuclear testing. 
Yeah, like only well, in his neighborhood. Yeah, certainly. In like Vegas, he went yeah. up like against the he like. Well, if it's a kind of NIMBY the, to be, it's nuclear NIMBY. He's a good NIMBY. Yeah. Right. But he yeah. like sued or threatened to sue, or he like waged this like crazy PR war against nuclear testing on American soil and did like all this other crazy shit that got everybody really mad just because he didn't want that happening. Yeah. Like he was anti-American. He was anti-nuke. Um, Open no, letter was, to the future. Pro, like he could do any, he would do anything that would make him look more pro-American. Like he sold out a bunch of his friends to the Un-American Activities Committee. Like um, kind of weird. Then also when he was in Nevada, he poured tons of money into canceling a de-rate like a uh, desegregation busing program like he kind of forced segregation to still be a thing in nevada which is pretty fucked up because he really hated black people and this movie doesn't talk about that yeah. at all fortunately there aren't any in it yeah so that worked out fortunately indeed sir yes yeah so i mean like that's the kind of stuff where it's like he was actually he was like way, so this yeah Thelma, um the yeah rob the movie Sandy Powell, Powell, what, what? Yes, Andy. I don't know what Howard Shore! <laughs> um, Why are you guys doing a wave? Musical supervisors! Yeah! <laughs> All right, we'll be done now. Okay. Um, the, yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was a more tragic and more... He was a more interesting character than this movie got the chance to paint him as. Well, it's a wonderful film, and I enjoy it very much and find it fascinating. Like, there's... Like, there was less... You could there have actually more stuff. There was he was a more could tortured. Have been he was a more tortured. Or it could have and been two hours long, and longer. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 it's weird because this is one of those movies where, and I always say you forget how long Pulp Fiction is. Yeah. Shit, The Aviator. Yeah. yeah. But when you're watching it with sound, at least the first two hours of it goes incredibly fast. Uh, I recall always kind of feeling a bit of the lag once we get into the beginning of the whole Senate. And, and Hercules shit, but that's when it picks up again. So I don't think he even really noticed that slump right around the weird um, uh, car crashy girl. <laughs> but it, it, it does, but faith. it trades yeah, on all the... Of- part is when I start to feel like, eh, when's this movie over? But then I, it always comes back for me. So I enjoy watching this movie a lot. Uh, it is one of my favorite of the Scorsese movies in terms of like watchability. I don't know if it actually ranks where it ranks on the film making, the craft side of things, but it's just a fucking watchable movie and I'm always happy to see it when it comes on. And I agree with Brian, I'm actually kind of in the mood to watch it right now. Fortunately, I have it on DVD at home, so I'm going to get home. I at least there. sections of it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I went right to the uh, went to the Beanfield crash and then from there right to the right yeah. to the Beverly Hills crash. Yeah, yeah. And then right there to the Spruce Goose taking off, boom. So Brian, uh, Martin Scorsese made a big old movie about Howard Hughes. Yeah, uh, I think... Um, Ten years ago. I think uh, what we said, or was it Paul that said earlier? Like, it would be. I would actually love to see a you know just proper like, mini yeah. series. HBO like, presents just fucking twenty hours, and you know catch all the shit that this. And yeah, like 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 Paul is saying, you know the the le- the less flattering stuff. Like this this does get into his um into his um, neuroses and things certainly, but yeah. but it's always the sympathetic neuroses. Like this, there's, yeah, there's very exactly. little in this. Oh, poor guy. That you yeah, can yeah. just there's very little in it. Negro that hater you can that he say, was. Yeah, like, yeah. this is. <laughs> What you're doing is apparent. Like, it doesn't talk about how the reason why that other plane crashed and you potentially killed a whole lot of people is just because you were being an arrogant fuck right. and yeah. not because, oh, no, this thing just happened to my experimental thing while I'm being, like, the poster of American ingenuity and development. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love I loved this movie. I, I tend to agree with, with Paul. I would love to see more. I understand, obviously, that there are running time limits that, that you incur uh, and... You know, obviously, uh, Scorsese chose the the angle that he chose, but I'd love to. Just, I would just love to see more about Howard Hughes. Yeah, but I do really like, like the angle that he guy. did choose because it was yeah. an angle that gives you like wait, wait, a wait, really. Wait, wait. Palu, how do you go. feel about the aviator? Wait, I'm not done. 
No, oh. I'm totally done. No. The angle on, that on. he chose is a very emotional one, and you get like to see lots of parts of his. It does feel like things fall apart. Yeah, but this you- is like the storyline choices that makes it feel like it's out of his control and it's a spiral and it's an emotional drop with only like a moment of oh my god it worked at the end that is immediately offset by the uh, but maybe not credits and that's Scorsese's entire thing it Every has single, a good through line emotionally uh, like for all we could talk a whole lot about two strip and three strip technicolor and whatever and but, we have but in the base it like <laughs> yeah. when it gets down and this is the mark of like fantastic filmmakers when they come down to it they want everything to be based on like what an emotional reaction to anything is going to be right. everything is in service of this will cause this emotional reaction in this and if you're watching this you see a person who has infinite resources and like infinite intelligence and mobility mm-hmm. and yet they are still human and their body still falls apart around them and that's kind of the that is a true parable about um yeah the, he plays this as a tragedy Howard Hughes. yeah like this is this it, it is actually how this person's life went down but like the selection of some things in face of others yeah. is like howard himself would probably him. like this depiction of him it's a yeah. it's a flattering Probably version so, yeah. of his illness and his personality. Yeah, it's you have to you end up feeling for him. Yeah, which is fair, but also if you're gonna, so you like, have, it's selective. It's selective in ways that I wish it was less selective. But aside from that pretty minor thing, it's fantastic. Trey, yeah, it's the Treviator. Yes, Trey of the future. It's a. <laughs> uh, it's a really well-made movie, uh, obviously, and uh, and uh, that's a, that's indisputable. Um, yeah, I like it. I like this movie a lot. It's 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 eminently watchable. I think knowing, I mean, having you know, knowing going in like the the back half of of Howard Hughes' life, and you know, and the sketchy part of the first half of his life, um, right about when it was ending, just after the first Bruce Goose landed. Um, I was I was thinking the first time I watched it like well okay how how are you getting out of this Martin how are you guys what's your dismount on this one you, <laughs> you get about halfway and you're like I don't see the act structure here what are you doing yeah what's what's happening exactly and and as I was saying I think I think I I myself don't quite grasp what the ending 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 is um, other than to say and then he went more crazy but. It's it's you know for for a lot of people who don't you know just like oh I'm gonna watch this movie about this guy called Howard Hughes they were just like w- uh, d- the movie just stopped at that point what the hell I don't understand because they, they didn't so it's the it's ending weird. is problematic I hadn't realized until just now and I wish I realized it earlier so we could have talked about it how this actually has a lot in common with the Wolf of Wall Street this is a very similar movie to the Wolf of Wall Street Wolf of Wall, yeah, it's very similar yeah uh, is Wolf of Wall Street just stop as well uh, I don't even remember how that ended it has a, if, no. it has what feels like a denouement but like emotionally like the roller coaster feels like it's still going. And then it's like, oh, the denouement is here. Okay, but, still but it's just He's also not... this like sort of broad, wayward sort of life story thing. Yeah. So this one's With tough. Because, I mean, uh, yes, they could have made the movie an hour longer and continued on to his life and yeah. made a whole thing. And so they obviously they didn't do that, couldn't do that, chose not to do that. But I was like, okay, so I just what? So what are you doing? What is what is this moment? And what's this about? This way of the future? And you flash back to the child, and I, but it's kind of like it's kind of like you. I'm I'm giving him. You're the benefit of the doubt here, Marty, but I feel like you just kind of threw some stuff at the end and, and made me feel bad because I didn't get it. I... It's like the emotional conclusion of his public life. Like there's a film by Andre Zaleski, who's one of my absolute favorite directors ever, and he did this film that was about like sort of about the last two weeks of the public and professional life of Chopin, which is great. But then like towards the end, it just descends into this like crazy fever dream, and you're just like this. I when 
logically by the time it's done you're like this doesn't make sense this doesn't feel good okay that then i could that could i, I could kind of like, kind of get if it if i can see how that what that is i haven't gotten it from any viewing i got it from you saying that sentence now that that's the end of his public life is a, is a great way to end it it's like and then no one really ever saw him again oh. you know oh yeah which is kind of implied but it's not told yeah really. i didn't i didn't catch but that the either. idea of you know no one can see him like this and blah blah, blah if, if they just you know driven that stake a little harder down to say and then he just couldn't be out in public anymore um you know that it was also was, mostly that, him choosing not to it. because of the yeah but again was, yeah, as far as the as far as the movie we just watched that doesn't have an ending yeah if it had said that if it had said and then he lived for many years thereafter but no one you know he was a mysterious figure from then on and yeah. he withdrew from human society that was it that was the end of his public life you know to give a big fat finger to 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 Pan Am and disappear from the from the public. So would stage. it worked better for you if there was like another like two or three minutes of like weird black void shit with? Yeah, that would have actually been interesting. That's exactly what I'm saying. I was gonna like, I, you could have got with the title card, but I honestly think that could have been an interesting way to go. Where it's like just the next time you see him, he's like really old. It's like why is this scene here? But then that scene ends, and it's like a 10 second scene, and then there's another one where he's yeah, older. Just, just like and it's like mm-hmm. what do you do? It's like, Howard Hughes oh, not seen right. in public in 30 years, and, and then the like, last thing you see is just like a phone conversation when he's like 72. Yeah, and he's really really skinny, and, and he's like. I don't know what this man's yeah. saying about my life. Howard Hughes' public life mostly yeah. ended in they the 50s. They could have gone that way. I'm not saying they should have. But the, again, the, again, all the clues are there. But the idea of, you know, it just, it just doesn't, it wasn't enough for me to grab and for many people to grab because many people, the reason way of the future is, is uh, you know, a cliche that people remember from this movie is because people came out of this movie going, well, that was the most dumbass way to end a movie I've seen this year. <laughs> way of the future, way of the future. What the fuck? So, <laughs> you know, it's right. like, so I... I don't hate the movie because of it, but as you, I get why people like, I love that movie, but what, what was the ending? I didn't get it. Um, but the idea of that was the end of his public life. Oh, that would have been awesome if they just connected that dot like two more, two more ways for me, then, then that would be great. But it's, it's you know, yeah. like many movies, it's amazing technical achievement. It's incredible. It's totally watchable. I just kind of, every time we go, oh, that's right, and now it's over for some reason, is, uh, just happens at the end for me every time. Yeah, if you're going to pick, I'm happy when you pick it before the three-hour mark. Just arbitrarily in your movie before three it's good fine works for me anyway this has been what are you doing movie you can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com uh go to the let's see where do i, where do I start Uh-oh. Uh, oh friendsinyourhead.com go to the uh, okay, go okay, to okay, iTunes okay. subscribe no, get a brand right. new episode get him aside. no one sees him like this get him aside get <laughs> twitter.com slash friends in your head facebook friends in your head friends in your head at gmail.com go to the forum involve yourself in the conversation it's a big big community of people it's growing every single week uh buy our shirts give us money it's a big paypal button we're not asking we're just saying uh michaelscottfund.com uh, holden hill designed to maintain our website until next time my name is t christie brian finifter way the future 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 show me the show me the blueprints just show me this i'm serious now i don't want to get you sick i don't want to get you sick i don't want to get you sick good night 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 just good night good night good night good night Way of the future. Way of the future. Seriously, though, it's a disease. Too many cooks. Sorry. (laughs) Friendsinyourhead.com.